Jones, Jim Conway, Suzanne Plachette, Keenan Wynn. It's Walt Disney Productions' shaggiest comedy ever. Oh, the dog! The Shaggy D.A. Shoot him down! The Shaggy D.A. Sing it again, Sam. Okay, The Shaggy D.A. Rated G. Welcome back to the Medfield College Film Society, everyone. The summer vacation is over, folks, and our society members are all home safely in beautiful Medfield. It was a strange summer. It had us all on the backstage areas of the living seas. We learned how to drive and the dangers of used car shopping. We met up with our singing and dancing friend, Sandy, who showed us around the only park that Walt Disney walked through. <clears throat> We concluded what I hope is the last visit to a strange apartheid government. All of this travel has left us hungry for some good old-fashioned Disney movies that we will watch, discuss, and discuss, and most importantly, rate. It wouldn't be a Midfield College Film Society meeting without our roll call. Roll call! Up in the mountains of scenic North Carolina. Cold Mountain. Living on the cold mountain. Old Mr. Andy Brown. Andy, how you doing tonight? Welcome. Welcome in to this place. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I want to say it's great to be back, but I don't think I ever left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been so long. Where have you been? Here we are. Season four. Let's do it been a long time since we've been together <laughs> farthest away is down in the bog with the shrimp shack shooters uh doing some pond scum skimming as he often does mr michael crawford how's it going it's very scummy 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 uh the mosquitoes are in the air it's all good and down in the white house or the model of it Falling apart in Heritage USA, in the outskirts of Charlotte. Hey, one Mr. Robert McSwain, the founder and chairman of the board of the Film Society. Robert, how's it going? Are you are you comparing me to Jim Baker? Is that is that where I am now? Is that what I'm, I'm become? not not comparing you to Jim Baker? <laughs> oh, I'm uh, I'm here in the Queen City. It's raining out. It's uh, got a little nice little little storm blowing through right now it's got a little rain outside actually it's, it's wild stuff <laughs> it's very wild stuff uh guys before we start anybody got any season four resolutions andy nope it's I'm, it's <laughs> same just gonna old, keep same, it on cruise I'm, control I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much same cruise control i'm still i'm coming in with an open mind as i've always have but by the end of the season it's just i'm like a shadow of my former I'm, self. Yeah. I'm, I've made so. a, 
I will make it. I made a conscious effort not to to completely crush Andy this year. That's that was my we'll <laughs> see. season we'll four. See. Well, I appreciate that. I really did. I was going to ask you. I genuinely Andy's. did that. I, I honestly did. Well, we'll see about that. We'll see. But we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, Andy, since Robert kind of took off the last episode, uh, were you planning to take off any episodes that he picked uh, during the season? <laughs> That I vow to never take off an episode unless it just, it's just awful. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, so we'll see. It'll probably last maybe what one or two episodes, and then yeah, we'll see. We'll there. see. We have it on tape now. We have it on tape. You do. You do. Uh, anybody else? Any resolutions tonight? Uh, we can put down. I'm just trying to resolve not letting our pregame uh, conversation about Last Jedi spill into the actual show. <laughs> I came real close to doing Kathleen Kennedy on the on my open here. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think about it, this kind of is the Last Jedi uh, in a way. Uh, yeah. The movie we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Wilby gets the ring and throws it away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody gives it to Wilby and he's like, no. So drink some milk. I don't need your ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this year. I'm excited. I can't wait for. Uh, I know, I know where we're going. I know what we're doing. It's gonna be a good one. Well, gentlemen, our trailhead begins here. It winds through the Walt Disney theatrical landscape with many twists and turns, but follow only if you be men of valor. For beyond the entrance to this trail lies twelve movies. Picked by our dear founder. I feel like I need the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music. Like So, brave society members and you listeners at home, if you doubt your courage and your strength, come no further. Is this a pirate? Am I, am I a pirate? Is it or a Viking? Ah, yeah. Could be. Either you one. are not the first. Now, let us embark on this journey that is season four. <laughs> Michael, tell us about tonight's film. <laughs> Well, tonight we are talking about the 1976. It's a bicentennial year. That Disney classic, sense. The Shaggy DA. <laughs> uh, no better way to celebrate the bicentennial with a little political drama starring Dean Jones as Wilby Daniels, uh, Tim Conway as Tim. It's convenient for my note taking. That's, that's really it was so it made it so easy. I I thought the same <laughs> thing. I was like, I, that's they should do that every movie. Uh, Suzanne Plachette is Betty Daniels, and Keenan Wynn is Honest John Slade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have wait, got wait a, wait Keenan Keenan Wynn as Alonzo P Hawk as Honest John Slade. Yeah, I was gonna right. say, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a roster of. That guy and that gal mm-hmm. in this movie. We've got yes. Joanne Worley. We've got Dick Van Patten. We've got Vic Tabak. We've got lots of people. We have Hans Conried, who was the voice of Captain Hook in Peter Pan. Whoa. He's, yeah, he's uh, the museum man. No. Um, a ton of people, ton of people. Uh, this is yet another film directed by Robert Stevenson. This was his 19th film for Disney. Sheesh. Uh, the last film of his career. He, um, one of the highest grossing directors of all time by the time he retired. I mean, every, you know, everything under the sun, a bunch of movies that we've done. Uh, he was there for it all. It was written by Don Tate. He of Unidentified Flying Oddball. Mm. And... 
Kirby Goes Bananas fame. Whoa, the mm. triple crown right there. Oh, yeah, among others. Uh, produced by <laughs> Bill Anderson, a Disney legend. Executive produced by Ron Miller. There he is again. Got some music by Buddy Baker in there, too. Mm-hmm. What a, uh, I mean, t- it's everything lined up for success here, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, you would think you've got all the dominoes in place. Exactly. And I mean, really with Stevenson and Anderson, I mean, that was the A-team of like the late Walt live action era. So you would think, you know, they're kind of getting to the end of their road as like making films. But you would think there would be a little magic left. So I guess we'll see. Well, Andy, was there magic left? Why don't we hear our non-spoiler reaction from you? Magic, yes or no? <sighs> there, it has moments of charm. Uh, I think the actors, and I think that charm comes from the actors themselves. But the movie itself, I, I don't see it being any better than Descendants Three. Honestly, Oof. <laughs> mm. ouch, Oof. yeah. <laughs> I was what a way to start. Well, we just d- had done Descendants 3, and I was like, I don't see this being any different as far as I'm, I'm still checking my clock. And I'm like, I wish this thing was, you know, be over soon. Uh, so at least that's how I felt about it. You've got dogs yeah. that are in prison, like the VKs. You've got, yeah. Everybody knows the VKs. I think the only thing that's keeping this afloat is the the, the nostalgia and the love for the those early actors. And that's, yeah, that's how I feel about it. And I know it's controversial, but I stand by it. You just made me think of Dorf on Golf, which I rented <laughs> one time. Uh, yeah, came man. home, had a little tasty burger takeout. Watched some Dorf on Golf. <laughs> tasty burger. Man, I could go for a tasty burger. Oh, did you go to the, the rental store right across the street from Tasty Burger, didn't you? Yeah, pick yeah. a flick. Yeah, pick, pick a, a flick. flick. Oh. Right next to, uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, Suttles. Next to Suttles, but what was the uh, cake? The cake place? Oh yeah, uh, oh, uh, uh, cake and ice cream plus. Cake and ice cream plus. <laughs> I don't cake and ice place. cream plus. I never knew what the plus was. Wow. Yeah, we just knew it from its title. <laughs> we didn't know what the plus was. Cake and ice cream plus. Sounds good though. Plus. Uh, yeah, exactly. My mom rented a beta cassette from there once. It didn't go very well. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy what's in this back was room? it uh was it been her probably <laughs> might have been i don't know I, I don't remember i don't remember now but she was like this won't play an rvhs player just she just keep ramming it, it in there jamming <laughs> it in there yeah you're the fit our aunt had a beta player because she was cool like that yeah she was way ahead of the curve on everything yeah yeah well speaking of beta we should we should look at this movie we should go Go, go and never come back to the world of the Shaggy D.A. Introducing our next district attorney. I want to talk about politics. Now, let me make this perfectly clear. I'm going to throw out all those shabby old tricks for this election year. Now, I'm the one who will set you straight. Let the past be water through the gate. Just an up-and-coming grassroots candidate, and I'm running for the shaggy DA. Well, I mean, you can't top this intro. 
in the Disney canon. It's not going to get much better than this. I mean, you could come at me with the Apple Dumpling Gang with the recurring peeing gag, but uh, <laughs> nothing better than this. Yeah, this is uh, the definition of starting strong. That's right. First off, you got the Buena Vista fanfare. Thank the Lord we're back in this territory, guys. Wasn't that like a warm blanket? Just seeing us. Nice. I know Andy has a little Pavlovian reaction every time he sees that. <laughs> hey, it was upbeat, though. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Well, then we close in on a cartoon dog, sheepdog, of course, in a doghouse doing a spoof of the MGM title card, but yawning instead of roaring. <laughs> And the ribbon around his head reading Canis Incorporate Transmuto. Uh, the sheepdog is wearing a straw hat, and some disembodied voice says, Introducing our next district attorney. I mean, talk about a shocker for uh, this. <laughs> what are we doing here? And uh, then we really have one of the finest musical moments in Disney film history a song. Uh, Sung by Dean Jones, doing his Harold Hill impersonation, saying he's running for the Shaggy DA, whatever that means. Um, got cartoon credits. This song, man, is one of the greatest. Uh, just uh, him fast-talking uh, Dean Jones rap, guys. It, yeah, Dean was on point. I had I, not seen this in a long time, and... I'd seen it a lot as a kid. I'd also seen the Music Man a lot as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I had never put it together that he was doing a Harold Hill riff. That's right. Until that's right. I watched it this time. I'm like, he's totally doing a Harold Hill riff. He's doing a Harold Hill. We've we've heard Dean sing a lot. Andy, where did this uh, rank up there on Dean singing for you? Is it above the Ricky Schroeder, I get to know you uh, song yeah absolutely it was way better than that but yeah. uh yeah it, i mean it was fine it was a nice charming little intro song uh, uh, i enjoyed the animation too kind of had a school of rock feel to it um okay okay yeah. it was a long intro though it very did long a, it did have a schoolhouse rock feel that's a good that's a good call right there very wrong but yeah I, I noticed in movies of this era they listed like every like every bit part got it's like, like a title card i feel like this era was like right before and i wonder why they did that it had to be a union thing before they moved the credits to the end of the movie mm -hmm. but yeah. they started getting really long at the beginning of the movie it must have been a union thing where they're like listing everybody and it's like what the heck i would like to know when and why that changed because you're right because you know old movies had the credits before the movie and would only be very limited. But yeah, by this point, it's it was like, like everybody star Wars, all that stuff had it at the end. So yeah, it wasn't star Wars was one of the first ones to do it. I, I remember that was being one of Lucas's things, but he, he, I want to list everybody. That's he, the way movies should be. He bucked the establishment and got into some trouble for it. And then, yeah, what if they were uh, after, after the film and not before it, you just go straight into the movie. Exactly. That's a spot I on a vision. It's yeah, like vision, Lucas is yeah. in the room with us. <laughs> he had some <laughs> the vision. Yeah, that the businessman else. didn't understand why I wanted to put it at the end of the movie. That's Vietnam. Um, well, we got to say uh, this song, uh, the Shaggy Da song, written by the Ace songwriting tandem Shane Tatum and Richard McKinley. Uh, you may know them from a lot of Disney work from the era, but maybe best from this jam, which is the best. 
Anybody? Oh, I'm excited. Anybody know this one? Yeah. Where's this one at, Robert? Let's get it going. Deep within my soul, a place where men and dreams have vanished. Treasure waits to take its toll. You know I hear you calling to me. All I'm saying is Toto needs to pay some royalties for Africa because that thing is a ripoff of Matacumbe. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you're so right. Matacumbe. So what What was that? What was the title theme from The Treasures of Matacumbe? Filmed in part uh, at the Walt Disney World Resort or on property yeah. at least. Yeah, a exactly. Little bit in the backwoods. Let's put it in the hopper, Robert. Season five, maybe. Peter Houston. All right. I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty strong. <laughs> it's pretty looks, pretty strong. It looks really interesting. <laughs> pretty good. I mean, you heard that song. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get to the movie. This took as long as the credits did. We open <laughs> on a familiar backlot street. You know, back here we are with two men packing a moving truck hastily. Hey. All right. So you're talking about the the, the set and everything. Is this the same set that they shot Back to the Future on? No. no. Okay. That would have been that would have been at Universal. <laughs> That's Universal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a but lot of similarities. Though. Yes. Probably similar. Yeah. Well, probably similar we get, age. Like way into it, the Hound of Florence is what this was based off of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like the first one by okay. Felix Salton, the uh, author <laughs> just, of Bambi. Just like the first one. That's right. Okay. All right. Continue. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, for those of you just tuning in, this backlot street has been uh, all over a lot of these films. It's, it is Medfield, actually. So uh, these movers offered some cold brewskis by one Admiral Gordon C. Brenner retired. Does somebody want to do a little bit bio on the Admiral? Uh, just a little character sketch here. What is it with the nautical characters? What is it with the nautical characters? Okay, good question. Okay. This is going to be a thread we follow. This is like a movie of Disney memes. So throw that on the hopper um, or Disney, you know, it, it's like Easter eggs almost. So, yeah. Well, you've got these guys. It's two that guys uh, who are loading the truck. One of them who is AJ Arno's stooge from the uh, yes. Dexter Riley movies. Yes. Cook cookie. When chili. When, yeah. Cookie. Chili. Yeah. No, once chili, right? Oh yeah, he may have been. He was both. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, Cook, Cookie and Chili. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. twin uh, brothers, no doubt. This guy, the Admiral, he talks like this. He's like really. It's like ADR city with him. It just feels like he is like. I don't He's know. Very really, Ernest Borgnine adjacent. Yeah, he it's is. Not, like the poor man's <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, it's Ernest Borgnine and uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah, <laughs> he felt like a, a ripoff of the Skipper from Gilligan, Gilligan's Island. Yeah, yeah. There was some Skipper. He was wearing those kind of tight, you know, collared shirts. Well, anyway, he reveals that the Daniels are weighing anchor after all these years, which. Um, does he know this for a fact? Yeah, it, it seems, seems like, he, like quite an assumption because we find out later that he's pretty tight with them. So you'd think yeah, that he would know, he would whether, know. whether or not they were moving. 
These movers are way in a hurry, and the Admiral is helping them leave by directing traffic using all kinds of nautical stuff. So I, I guess laughed that's, at the guy yeah. in the car. He stops a car that's coming down the street, and it's just some like extra in a. It's just like one car. Right. I was like, "What was happening?" Kind of face. These are the it's, roles I could pull off as an actor. You know, yeah, put me in totally. that role. Put me in the role of the infomercial, the p- person messing up. I could do those things. Yeah, <laughs> fake like over the top outrage. Um, now we cut to the Daniels family in their car. Of course, as we mentioned, one <laughs> Dean Jones as will be Daniels, and of course the power, the real power couple here of Disney Cinema. His wife's played by Suzanne Plachette, uh, and no one could drive like Dean drives. You nope. know, mm-hmm. on camera. Nobody, yep. In the back no seat, gum, though. No, no gum. gum, no gum today. Uh, in the back seat of their car is their son, who is listening to a gigantic wireless headset playing music very loudly. Michael, this is the beginning of us noticing this, which happens all over Disney Cinema. This is like this is iconic for me and for you and I. Yeah, um, <laughs> I said in my notes, the prototypical kid with the prototypical music. This is like the Ur child with the Disney transistor radio music of choice <laughs> the purple cows uh, going at it just that down, 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 down. and the headphones robert you had just tweeted recently about that you were looking these things up and i didn't know what you were talking about until i watched this i was like oh there we go That's what <laughs> yeah, i was I like spent, oh oh i went down a rabbit hole pretty far the other night got tell us what you found well i just found I me mean, I, I think i found that model um at least it was a model that the model i found came out in like 81 so it, it was a maybe maybe gen 2 but it did have ah. the dual antennas coming out this, and and the nice, really big, clunky, squared off. Uh, yeah, know. those are like intense, intense headphones with the dual antenna. God, nobody's going to hear anything going on outside of those. Forget noise canceling. I mean, <laughs> everything canceling. Yeah. Yeah. Just this kid. You're right, though. It is. It is. This was the beginning of this became a this. joke to us before. I think it was even supposed to be funny. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think it was just supposed to be like, oh, kids. But we yeah. thought it was ridiculous even as kids. But, uh, you know, kids and their music, it gets taken away from him. And he got a great line by Br- young Brian. Now, what am I supposed to do? This <laughs> kid, this kid, kid man. man, this kid the haircut. I don't know about this kid, man. I do. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I've got his number. Yeah. Well, the Daniels pull up their house with Wilby putting on Betty's coat, which I love that little touch. It's Uh, like a long moment. It's a very long beat. They're uh, they're as pleasant as can be. So I guess it's just showing all is well until they open the door and realize they've been robbed. Not only have they been robbed. All of the furniture and all of the wall hangings and everything is gone in their house. Uh, like the Grinch so got them. I mean, it was. <laughs> what kind of. How big a market is there for full house robberies? <laughs> See, and I was confused, though, because I I didn't understand why the moving guys were in such a hurry. I'm, I don't know if they said anything. Uh-huh. See, they got you right where they, they wanted you, man. The movie makers. Yeah. Yep. Movie magic, Called man. Dramatic irony. Um. Well, Wilby goes over to the Admiral's house to call the police, who tell them they're on two calls. Can they wait? Oh, here we go. Sticking it here to the go. man. The man. I love uh, he well. says, can you call back when we're not so busy? 
hey, that's kind of like now, guys. You know, Ooh, yeah. staffing shortages. Uh-huh. Nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. They're just taking that money. Well, Wilby goes on a tirade once he gets through to the copy. He says, Medfield's being systematically ripped off. What's going on here? I want to see more shots of Medfield. You know what I'm saying? I want to yeah. see the Biff Tannen Medfield. Like the 1980s Biff Tannen Medfield. Like, what's going on here? I want to see like a kid with an ice cream cone getting it stolen, you know? <laughs> we came, came, came close to that on several occasions that's, in this one. Well, that's true. Stay tuned. Uh, Stay yeah. Tuned. What, where's, we never get a sense of greater Medfield. Right. We, we, we get these little here and there, but what if like back at the college, like Medfield College, it's all run down and. Dean Higgins like, getting mugged on the way to the car. and It's like a casino stuff. right on the quad, you know, yeah. playing blackjack. Uh, if only, you know. That's, Caesar we could go back and dream. do a, That's right. Will be, uh, you know, says that honest John Slade, the DA, is to blame because the thieves are back on the street as soon as they get caught. He says if he ran for DA... He would punish criminals to the fullest extent of the law. And at this, Betty and Brian start applauding, and everyone seems incredibly mirthful, even though their house was completely, completely cleared out, all their possessions. They're sitting there cheering at their thought of, we'll be running for DA. You know, this must have been a long time coming. I guess. Clearly a long dream. As a kid, I just remember being baffled by this stealing everything in the house. Well, yeah, I was too, and it just turns out it is baffling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how just sort of shocking that would be. And yeah, that's true. How, like, what What do you do with all this stuff? It makes no sense. It's great. We'll be not so sure about running for DA. He says, what about his law practice? The Admiral is behind the idea. He gets in on the act. He opens a safe with a ship's wheel. Uh, house, man. I, I, I love that. Oh, man. He's, he's got it going on. He's got a quarter in the uh, safe, which I, I guess he didn't. I don't. Yeah. Well, that night, as the Daniels sleep on the floor <laughs> in my favorite scene of the movie, yeah. uh, we see a burglar again breaking in and stealing the outfits of the Daniels that they were wearing and the blanket they were using to sleep on. Why? I, yeah, that confused me too. I'm like, why would you go back to steal Wilby's like khaki pants? Like, what is the secondary market on that? <laughs> like, I Used thought maybe it was khakis. like, like he was. I mean, it feels like there should have been something tied to this. I agree. Well, yeah, it'd be if it was like personal about him, right? Yeah. It would make more sense. Like, like they were out like to get had, him. Like, yeah, his his practice had done something and had misrepresented somebody. You know? Or yeah. right, they mentioned his partner, and I feel like. This was a missed opportunity because they never named the part who his partner is in his practice. Uh-huh. This is a missed opportunity. You know how he had like the buddy and million dollar duck? Like that should be oh, that, yeah. that guy. You mean this guy? Yeah, yeah that you guy. Or he could be partners with Moochie. You're, you're not. Oh, and it could be like my. Daniels and Daniels. Yes. And then you have somebody like bounce stuff off. Of okay. Okay. Hold on. There. Hold on. So Moochie got in with Slade's guys, got in over his head. Cause Moochie's just being Moochie. Moochie's okay. just being Moochie. Daniels goes in, gets him out. He likes the ponies. Makes him go legit. 
<laughs> they know all the secrets, and that's why he's so they're targeting out. him. Yeah, yeah, that would be better. Ark has like Moochie's Moochie's into like Moochie Moochie's and Moochie's into the mob. And, you know what uh, this is setting up for? He's just hapless. It's setting up for the Disney Plus series between the Shaggy Dog and the Shaggy DA. True. Yeah, we, get, we get them going to Medfield Law School together, oh, the Daniels and Daniels. Okay. Yeah. Dexter Moochie's Riley down like the hall in the lab. Always drinking, you know, and Wilby's like doing his <laughs> tests for him. The, the shaggy co-ed is like the oh, Bluto. It, the shaggy co-ed, and it's a girl that changes the it to a shaggy co <laughs> Now we're That's talking. That's a great idea. Yeah. All right. Guys, anytime you want to call a meeting with us, whoever's listening, we're happy to take them. You know, we can yeah. do it on Skype or Zoom or whatever you want. We'll come out. <laughs> anyway, Wilby wakes up, robbed. Heads back to the Admiral's place, ringing his bell, his nautical bell, waking him up. He's in a state. He's in his PJs, tells the police to remember that voice. It's the voice of your next district attorney. To which <laughs> Betty and Brian applaud again, and the Admiral goes to get his quarter, only to find out that he, too, has been robbed, which I have to admit, I kind of laughed at that. Yeah. But why didn't they take all? Because he's got great stuff. I mean, why yeah. didn't they clear him out, too? Because he's exactly. got stuff that I'd want. Did he get robbed or did he just lose the quarter? That's what I wondered. What <laughs> if the true. admiral's the one that's doing all the stealing? Whoa, now we're talking. Could be. <laughs> He's in piracy. Uh, I love Wilby's when Wilby wakes up and realizes they've been robbed again. He says, they've stripped us right down to the bone. <laughs> that's a good that's Dean a good line. That's yeah. a good Dean Jones. That's good. Dean. A lot of practice. Um, all right. Well, we see Wilby in the car campaigning. Very uh, Goldie Wilson uh, with Betty and Brian. <laughs> We see Brian putting up a Daniels for DA poster over the Honest John Slade poster. Who is it other than our good friend Keenan Wynn? Again, a.k.a. Alonzo P. Hawk. Um, you know, despite the Keenan Wynn, I would kind of, yeah, I, I was just happy to see his face. So Always. you see his name in the title card. It's just not the same as seeing, you know, a poster with his mug on it. Same. I got really excited. I, yeah, I think he's fantastic. Betty walks up to Wilby as he's soliciting votes at the exit of a grocery store. There's a little downtown Medfield for you. Mm -hmm. uh, brings him a broom to symbolize sweeping the town clean. And here we get into like bossy wife territory. This weird characterization of her as like kind of delusional. Uh, yes. About image and stuff like this. Um, yeah. That's kind of a. It's weird because it's not like the Sandy Duncan, like so dumb, uh, right? But it's it's like delusional, like you said. So she wants him to do that. She says, "Remember to kiss babies, because that's a good vote getter. Just make sure they're not over sixteen. That's a head smacker." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd say over yeah, ten would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilby walks up to a woman with a child in the cart. The child's Ugh. back is to us. It's revealed the kid has peanut butter and jelly all over him and goes, Hello. It's a young Michael Eisner. It's Michael Eisner. Baby Eisner. <laughs> I feel like we talk about the kids with the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches a lot, but nobody's going to top this kid. I mean, it's like this Swedish youth, Scandinavian <laughs> youth plump child who's the um, um andy who's the kid from uh 
Andy Griffith show that always had the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Played it's by Clint Ron Howard. Yeah. Clint Howard. Yeah. Uh, Leroy. Leroy. Is that thank you. Yes. Yeah. Leroy. Thank you. Okay. That's a, I was very thinking about little. Leroy when I saw him. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a very Leroy thing. But Leroy this is one of the things bad. I vividly remembered from this from this yes. movie was yes. this kid covered in oh, so gross. Hello, hello. <laughs> well, the kid really grabs onto Wilby and kisses him like a funny kind of like romantic head holding, and uh, <laughs> yeah. the woman, great ADR, going, "Oh, I see, he likes you. Oh, Joey likes you." Just weird, weird. <laughs> this weird. kid just like gets him in a headlock. Yeah, headlock uh, made me laugh. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Wilby is covered in jelly, and when he pulls out, a newspaper reporter takes a picture <laughs> of him. Kind of a weird moment. Of it, she comes out of nowhere. Yes, gotcha. And then, then we cut to that picture in the paper, and who else but Honest John is checking it out in a well-appointed office. Filled with a gaggle of reporters and assistant yes man played by Dick Van Patten. Guys, I am very happy at this point when this is happening. Hey, I bet. I thought of. <laughs> nice. Uh, Slade is trying to convince folks that Daniels needs to clean up his act as his face is covered in jelly in the newspaper before he cleans up the cities. And can we just take a moment? Uh, for Keenan Wynn's hair in this. Film. Oh, I, I noticed that too. It is it's like Custer's last stand, Keenan Wynn, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was in honor of the bicentennial. He was like 1776. He's been playing Could Uncle be. Sam. It's flowing, flowing <laughs> mane this, of hair. Is this the first Keenan Wynn film that we've seen in color for our podcast? No, no. Herbie Rides Again, for Herbie one. Herbie Rides Again. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. But he just looked more flushed and... Or well, not really flesh, but just a few more, years down the road. Yeah, yeah, you could see the. Yeah, so you could, he had crossed like crossed some sort of bridge between the last <laughs> time we saw him and this. Oh yes, I think so. Well, it's the Golden Gate Bridge, or were those, that true. was his they game. chased yeah. him up the Golden Gate Bridge. Um. Well, Slade, it's going to be hard not calling him Hawk because he is Hawk. Uh, yeah. Sees a red light on his desk blinking. Clears his throat, to which Dick Van Patten quickly clears the room. Slade reaches into his desk and picks up a box with an ivory, quote-unquote, carved top on it that has a telephone inside of it. Brilliant. Uh, this super fancy guy, super fancy Honest John with his fancy ivory phone box. Um, Eddie was on the line. Eddie! Yeah, Eddie. Mail from Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eddie's in some kind of PBX call center of some sort and uh, is a real street tough. He says he doesn't like these enthusiastic amateurs. Slade says they always fade away. He's a lightweight. Just take care of your stuff and Slade will take care of his. Uh, guys, what do you think about this uh, phone box? Quite a pairing. Well, I mean, he's got his first. He's got the huge metal box on the desk with right. the red light on it. <laughs> It's bigger than the actual phone box. Then he's got the phone box with like the scrimshaw on top or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, it's magnificent. Oh, it is. Do you think he robbed that box from the Admiral's house? <laughs> Could mm. be. That's my telephone. <laughs> That's my telephone box. A vest. I will say this though. I, I, the plot already is like intrigued me because it's, yeah, it's, it's like, oh, we've got a, 
a DA who's a shady DA, not a shaggy DA, a shady DA in this case. Ah, and uh-huh. uh, and I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. Uh, so so far, I, I, at this point, I, I'm still in. I agree. I agree. Still very much in. Uh, next week, we cut to another fantastic image of a painting of a villa with a Borgia family member almost getting bitten by a sheepdog. It's just a cut to that. We see a tour group coming through a museum, our favorite museum. We're back. We're a diorama of the Borgia family having a dinner party where they poisoned all the guests is on display. Um, the Borgias, of course, the family with the ring from the shaggy dog. A lot of great Borgia family lore. The Museum of Curses and Medieval Curses. Uh, I was about to say, the uh, Borgias, big in Medfield still, 20 yeah, years later, right. still big in Medfield. <laughs> we see the two thieves who stole all the furniture from the Daniels house salivating over the same ring from the shaggy dog now in a case in the museum. This allows for some exposition reminding folks about what happened to the original movie via the tour guide. But he gives a Professor Plumcut shout out, which it was good to remember. Professor I know, Plumcut. a little continuity there. That's right. Uh, in all this, this curator reveals that the ring is indeed priceless. Tour guide leaves, and we see the ring glowing on and off. Hmm. I don't remember it glowing in the first one, did it? I don't out? either. A new I feature. I don't either. It's black and white. We cut to a room filled with silver and china, uh, which is just a set dressing, and this really cracked me up. None other than Eddie himself is in an office labeled Shipping and Receiving, and the same street-tough thieves are there with the ring. Eddie says, no deal. You can't move that. Diamond rings, emerald rings, those things I can move. And he kicks the toughs out of the office. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, we cut to the great Tim Conway as an ice cream salesman going through all the flavors offered with Brian, the Daniel's son. Kill that kid, man. Oh, man. <laughs> why is he making him list all the flavors? Like, why is this kid so annoying? And the look takes he gives is just like stares at people with those dead eyes. And just Yeah. Like a doll's eyes. <laughs> I knew Moochie. I worked with Moochie. You, sir, are no Moochie. No, Moochie. No, not at all. Yeah. No Moochie jeans passed on at all. Moochie no. would crush that role. <laughs> Say, mister, what's your what's your ice cream flavors? You got ah, pistachio in there? You got- <laughs> <laughs> that would be beautiful. See Moochie with Tim Conway. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah, they would have just they, Tim would just tearing yeah. it up. Yeah. Well, Tim is having a hard time remembering all the flavors as his sheepdog sits in the passenger seat of the ice cream truck. I like all that dog hair in your ice cream. Right. <laughs> Finally, he remembers the last flavor, avocado surprise, and Brian says he'll just have vanilla. Hilarious! It was probably the first one he said, guys. Uh, I didn't realize as a kid that the ice cream flavors were supposed to be a joke. I didn't either. I did not either. Thank you. Because they clearly are. (laughs) Well, Brian pays 15 cents and pennies, which makes Tim all annoyed. I mean, that doesn't seem as big of a deal to me, but I didn't live in that time. It doesn't seem as big of a deal as asking for the ice cream. I know the ice cream would be more annoying. That's Fifteen. That's some cheap ice cream too. But That's the true. ice cream he doesn't give him like a cone. He gives him like a dilly bar or something. 
Well, he starts, Tim, that is, starting talking to his dog, Illwood, as Brian tapes a Daniel for Dio poster to the back of the ice cream truck. Brian's off back home on his skateboard, which he's really cruising. This is early skateboard. I'm telling you, this I'm getting like everything, all this Back to the Future stuff is happening. That's I think it's that's true. why it's very Hill Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We see a TV truck in the front yard, which I wrote, why is it not in the street? But stay tuned. Um, (laughs) It's just like perfectly placed in the front yard, which I thought was strange at the time. Uh, We got Ronnie Shell as the TV director. (laughs) Another one of those, that guy's always happy to see him. He's saying he wants no set dressing in the house. We want a real barren look. They really brought the crew in for this, too. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. It's a big production. For a they got their, their, their whole uh, whole TV show going on here. Up in the Daniels room, Wilby uh, and Betty are talking through the interview and getting dressed. Isn't that a little late for that? I mean, Brian isn't even dressed. He's in a sweatshirt. Yeah. Did you see what his sweatshirt is going on here? What was up with his sweatshirt? Did you like catch this end up? Yeah, it had the, this end up and had like a, a fake pocket drawn on it. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I like the pocket that was drawn and on. And then there was some other nice. stuff on the back that was drawn on too. I couldn't see what it was, but scamp, scamp wacky, wacky stuff. And I like the uh, the stencil on the back of the mirror, the Medfield Furniture Rental. Oh, nice. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't see that. I caught that nice. too, yeah. Oh, they thought of everything. Very nice. Uh, we get a great Suzanne Plachette reading here. Very Shades of Ugly Dots and where she sees him eating the I- ice cream and says, We do not eat junk food. It's very, uh, he is not a dachshund. A dachshund. She it's also very, throws, the, throws the, like, the ice cream thing in the trash. I'm like, don't put that in your trash. That's gross. Yeah, man, come on. You know <laughs> you don't get, get a liner for that thing. Yeah, come <laughs> that's, on. That's how we get ants. <laughs> Brian. Brian's headset radio is overheard by Wilby saying there was a ring robbery at the museum. Wilby clearly panicked, shoes Brian away, only to confess what happened in the shaggy dog to Betty, telling the story of the Borgia ring and him turning into a dog, etc., etc. Why? Why has he not told this story before? Seems like something that needs to be said. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I want to back up there because they've set this whole headset thing up just for this scene. So they could have a way to communicate the news to the room. I mean, I think it also establishes Brian as a wacky youth, like the youth. Yeah. The kids today. Yeah. It's, but so both, it's by this handy. point, they've, cause when the kid, when Brian comes in, he hears the, the TV guys are kind of dragging Betty like downstairs. And one of them says, he's, She's like Sarah Bernhardt starring in Housekeeping Can Be Fun, which I always thought was a weird line. But then Brian repeats it when he goes upstairs. It's the worst line read of all time. <laughs> I just I just have to call attention to his read on that line because it's really bad. It's like Sarah Bernhardt starring in Housekeeping Can Be Fun. <laughs> it's, it's the dead eyes, like Robert said. Dead eyes can't sell it. <laughs> No, there's another one coming up in a minute, but well, Betty thinks all this is a joke, uh, that he's just making this up. He's, he's, Wilby's definitely elevated. Betty definitely doesn't believe him. She says she wants to pretend he never said it. Nile ain't just a river in Egypt, Betty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
Back on the street, we see one of the thieves coming up to Tim in his ice cream shop. He introduces himself as Dr. Sturdivant, which I loved. I loved it. I don't know why. Who is traveling and has become financially embarrassed and trying to sell off the Borger ring. And he says, you know, financially embarrassed, if you know what I mean. And Tim Conway goes, no. <laughs> made me laugh. Oh, man. It was really funny the way he did it. I can't tell you. That's a good phrase, though. Financially embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. I love his did. whole, like, his whole little speech that he gives is so, like, smooth and practice. It's like, great. I am it's great. Dr. Sturdivant from the Sorbonne, and I am here. He's just got it down pat. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I need to add that in the background of the shots of Tim on the ice cream truck, there's a picture of a woman in a roller derby outfit with her arms in the air, and it reads, Katrinka, star of steamrollers. More on that later, but it was very distracting. To, I had to go back and keep like being like, okay, I got to pay attention to what's going on and not just look at this. It was so weird. I thought it was like Big Buck Kiss at first. Like, I couldn't tell. Like, I mean, it, it looked like a big football linebacker. Big, big fan of Dick Buck Kisser. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that picture is amazing i hope it's in like the disney archives or something i hope so like under a vitrine so. with like lights on it uh, soon enough in fact uh tim says hey i wonder if katrinka would like that ring he pulls down the picture handy says she works down in pies at dolly dixon's she's also the captain of the south side steamrollers great name it is the so-called Dr. Sturdivant said she would love the ring and her gratitude would be unbounded, which the <laughs> emphasis putting on that is pretty funny, too. Which intrigues Tim. Tim's yes, very intrigued yes. by that. And confused. Uh, unbounded, yes, I A great, yeah, confusion by Tim on this. But um, he says he'll sell it for $500. Tim says, I was looking for a blue one, kind of hedging. He says, I hate. Will you spring for five bucks, Mac? To which Tim springs at it and buys it in pennies. <sighs> Red flag Hypocrite. right there, Tim. Hypocrite. Yeah. We're back on the set in the Daniels house. And we see why the TV van is in the front yard. <laughs> which also <laughs> on, the side, favorite, on the side. On the side it says details. Medfield Television. Did you see that? Yeah, design? I love yeah, that van. Right. That. that van is great. This is my favorite detail of the movie. They've opened up the window of the house and the window of the van and made a little production booth. Like, why would they put that detail in there? It's so weird that they've. It's so because you would, you'd have your ca your camera monitors. You can see what you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to peer through the window. <laughs> that's the whole point of having the van. The van uh, doesn't have like side window, like a bay window on the side of your van. All right. All right, Ronnie, where are we going to put the van? Well, we need to put it over there next to the window so we can see in. <laughs> just park it on the flower bed. It put it on the flower we'll bed. Get, get as close to the window as you can. <laughs> too close, too close. Oh, man, it was really funny. So funny that somebody thought of that enough to do two shots surrounding it. Um, we've got a somewhat wacky bearded host introducing a show called Meet the Candidate, which I thought was funny that they named the show Meet the Candidate. How many candidates are there? And we cut to the Admiral watching in with his green water pitcher from the Cleveland Savings and Loan, Michael. Yes, I noticed that too. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, he got a green plastic water pitcher that matches one that we had 
uh, from Cleveland Savings and Loan, Robert. Oh, wow. Um, it's just a dead ringer. Green, green like Tupperware, like pitcher. Oh, so good. I couldn't it still believe it. Is up in the, uh, still is up in the mountain house. I can take some pictures and uh, do a, uh, you know, side Harrison. by side. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, in another room, Will B is trying to introduce himself. Still not ready, by the way. Stressing me out. Uh, <laughs> trying to introduce himself in practice. And Brian keeps staring at him, Robert. Uh, yeah. How? <laughs> just staring. De- dead eye in him, man. Just, yeah. oh, what are you doing? <laughs> just, <laughs> like, like, I... I mean, I'm not going to hit my kids, my, my real kids, but I would certainly get my real kids. Theoretically. <laughs> I would certainly get annoyed if I'm trying to do something and they're just sitting there, like, just, I mean, it's not even like, like playful staring, just like, just staring, just like, right. Are you, who are uh, you? Like, uh. <laughs> I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I understand. Yeah. Meanwhile, Slade is in his office smoking a cigar, watching TV with Dick Van Patten over his shoulder. The host introduces Betty, who comes out with lilies and starts monologuing as she arranges a vase full of flowers. The producer is thinking she goes on and on about how she finds the lake poets scintillating, (laughs) which is one of the most amazing things. It's just like, why is this a detail that's in this movie? I don't know that she is like... You know, delusions of grandeur. I don't know. Meanwhile, Tim is talking to Elwood about the ring and, of course, reads the inscription. Says, wonder what that means. I'll tell Katrinka it means I love you in Swahili. What does she know? As Elwood disappears. Meanwhile, Brian is still staring at Wilby preparing. And Wilby starts to get gray and fluffy. Hey, you're getting gray. Why are you getting gray? That's a little moochie from Brian at that point. Yeah, yeah, a little moochie. And eventually comes a full transmutation. I guess we see why they use black and white for special effects. Because somehow it looks much worse. Andy? Uh, No. (laughs) This is where it starts to lose me. Big time. You didn't like that uh, that morph effect? No, I did not. It's Like, how is this possible? How many years later are we? And why does it look worse? Right. Yeah, how is that possible? (laughs) Well, I think you could ask that about a lot of movies these days that are that are using. (laughs) Why is why is Jurassic Park look better now than some of the movies that are being made today? So, um, yeah, it's true. It's true. Or T (laughs) two. I think I slide that one in there. T two man. Well, meanwhile, Betty is presenting Wilby, but Brian is holding Elwood the dog. So there was a big presentation of it. And now Wilby Daniels and opens these French doors. Brian's sitting there in the study, I guess, whatever, holding Elwood the dog. He signals to Betty that this is indeed Wilby. And they start vamping, trying to bide time and cover up. They do the old mixed up name gag uh, where they're like, what's his name? And they say Bowser and Elwood at the same time. Then they switch. And the host asks Elwood if he does any tricks to, if Elwood does any tricks to which they kind of look at each other and says, yes. And will be whispers. No. (laughs) Back in the production booth, the producer says, who said that? To which the engineer says, we're picking up a ghost somewhere. (laughs) Like so matter of fact. It happens all the time. It's the explanation. Stumble onto some paranormal activity. (laughs) We're picking up a ghost somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> Finally, they try to get Elwood to speak, to which Wilby says, woof. 
<laughs> which I did laugh out loud at. That was funny. It's just the Dean Jones voice. Woof. Yep. Uh, Slade is loving this. He says this has to be costing Daniel's votes. Elwood takes off through the set, heads out the door. The Admiral says, well, I've had enough of this. Why? And gets up to go where? And the dog runs under him and Tim runs into him and eventually knocks down all his flowers. Admiral says he's going to put them in dry dock for a month. I've had enough of this. My well, Elwood is forced in the car with Tim, and Welby yells, Let me get out of this car, or I'm going to deck you. Tim screeches a truck to a halt and asks how he learned to talk, to which Welby says, I started with Gaga and worked my way up to Din Din. Another great. Man, I mean, why didn't he do more animated movies? Great read. Voice God, yeah, is so just, good. Yeah. Say, okay, I, I want to stop right here for just a second. You guys are saying how good this is. I am <laughs> no. not. I'm not. I'm not in it at this point. I mean, that kind of stuff. I just was like, all right, this is silly. This is ridiculous, and I, I'm not. Well, you know, good is a, a subjective <laughs> term. It oh, can mean a lot of different things. I said you're enjoying it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Is that what you're kind of going at? I am enjoying the absurdity of it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, okay. the fact I'm enjoying that he's like a, Dean Jones. Dean Jones's read of. Gaga, you know, <laughs> that pays off for me. All right, that's fair enough. Oh, we're letting you in on too much now, Andy. I'm afraid the more of these we do, you're just going to figure us out. <laughs> yeah, we so. don't really think some of these things are really good. I'm, I'm starting to think these guys <laughs> don't like these movies. <laughs> That makes me feel better, at least. It makes me feel better about you guys and about my own <laughs> thoughts in this movie. <laughs> now, come on, Andy. Just enjoy it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Don't they see it? <laughs> well, Tim is thrilled. Says, can we get into show business and make a ton of money? And this begins a plot line that I hate. Yes. I'm not even going to joke. I don't like this at all. Whilst he goes over this scenario in his head, will be bolts, thank goodness, and runs off with Tim in pursuit. He runs through a hedge and spots a doghouse with the name Brutus. Yeah, I caught that. A little metaverse there. Uh, who is a Great Dane, but alas, not the same Great Dane. Robert, what was his name? Uh, that was Harvey or something. What no, was the ones? Uh, it was the same. Uh, they they were named the same from uh, Swiss Family Robinson. That was the same Great uh, Danes. Um, well. I will point out at this point that there are a lot of gags in this movie that like, I feel like more than usual in this type of movie are very like straight out of a cartoon. Yes. Because right yes. before he goes into Brutus's doghouse, uh, Tim Conway like ducks into a, like behind a hedge and you hear a lady scream and they those, love it's the prototypical like, ah, and sorry lady it's, and then there's, there's this doghouse gag coming up and there's so many jokes that are like right out of a cartoon. Yeah. So the doghouse gag is that Brutus doesn't like will be hiding out in his doghouse and goes and roughs him up some, uh, really uh, cartoony Foley going on here. Like, Oh, oh excuse me. Yet more like weird ADR yeah. than I want. <laughs> During this, he somehow transforms back into will never made clear why that transformation takes place okay. ever in these movies. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause I was confused as well. Elwood appears back in the truck. Great Danes, uh, a known aggressive breed, right? Very, very aggressive are the great Danes. Yeah. Territorial. 
Yes. That's what Marmaduke uh, was like so restricted. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> odd. It's just very, very fluky. Yeah. Uh, Wilby runs home with the Great Dane in hot pursuit, and the TV crew is out of options for delays, so they go back to places. Wilby runs in, immediately does a stand up out of breath, where he promises, if elected, he will call for a grand jury investigation for connections between John Sladen, Eddie Roshak, to which Eddie immediately calls Slade on the ivory phone. Why does he have to immediately go into the speech? Why couldn't he say, just give me a minute? I don't know. But this is this movie, so it doesn't matter. Thinking on his feet. Eddie says, he's coming on awful strong. He's naming names. If he gets elected, we're in trouble. Slade says, trust me, he won't get elected. After hanging up, he says, Daniels could use a little mud on him. He tells Dick Van Patten to get something on him that will cut him right at the knees. And with that, we end. Act one. When you need your political dirt, you know to turn to Dick Van Patten. He's the That's true. Yeah, Carl he's Rove a, of Medfield. He's very uh, <laughs> sneaky. He seems very covert. Devious. All right, so uh, we're back in the ice cream van with Tim. He's talking to Elwood about his big plans. I, I agree with Jeff. This is the worst part of the movie for me. Oh, it just goes on so long. And, Stop. And Stop does it. it. It tells the same joke twice. Why do you do it again? It's, yeah, it feels like this is where the, the, the writer for Gus comes in strong here. Yeah. yeah. Weirdly, do it does the same joke twice, but then doesn't go for three times for that rule of threes. Yeah. Like, you should have wrapped it up with like him like going back for a third time and then actually like playing along and winning or something. I don't or know. Or just, yeah, or one of the dogs. I mean, yeah, somebody talking, a dog talking yeah. in front of them and then like. Anyway, so what we're talking about is Tim wants to go to Harry's bar and pick up some quick money with Elwood's act, which he's cooked up in his head. Um, of course, Elwood is Elwood now and not will be. So he thinks Elwood is stonewalling him. So offers him a 50-50 split. Previously, he'd offered him 10%, which seems... That old gag, the percent yeah, gag. the percentage yeah. gag. Elwood, of course, doesn't really have anything to say about any of this and tim doesn't seem to notice that elwood isn't talking now but whatever we find ourselves in harry's bar which is a very evocative place <laughs> can i just say that i missed this is the bar i missed hanging out in when i hung out in bars man harry's bar you got wood panels a slightly nautical theme a trumpet on the wall you got pinball games yeah. you got just like crates of beer all over the place he's very well say he's got like stacked cardboard boxes of Michelob. <laughs> i think he also has a computer space machine an arcade machine way in the background yeah. so harry is way ahead of his time. what a place i think it's man. like fluorescent lights too because i mean there's no dark smell that at place all. yeah I, said, I, sure I said the smell really comes off the screen it's like it really does bleach a lot of cigarettes and uh, beer yeah yeah sticky we, floors also can we talk about the extras in this bar oh yes i mean it is like I, I I don't even know where they pull these people. It's it's not a young crowd, I'll say. 
<laughs> no, it's, it's an interesting demographic. demographic. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the true professionals, you would call them. You yeah, know, the people who have been doing it for years. There's two exactly. guys who are uh, two of the extras are from the Andy Griffith show. Um, it's I'm not one of them was the the. That, who's been in uh, a few of the movies we've seen? Um, he was the bar, the bookie barber. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, that guy was there, and then the choir director from the show was in there. As well. Oh, I didn't even notice him. Yeah, yeah. It is a it is a grizzled crew of veterans in this in this bar, and like smoky old broads and everybody. Uh, Harry says no dogs are allowed in the bar, which I'm like Harry. Are we, are we putting on airs now? Right. Come on, Harry. You got you stacks of Nickelodeon here. Come on. <laughs> uh, Tim insists, though, this is a very special dog. Uh, you can see where this is going. Tim says it's the world's only talking dog, and it is as smart as anyone in the place. Can I just say, I don't understand why they would be so hostile to the concept of this guy coming in and trying this out. Like... It's just like, oh, no. I mean, maybe he's bothered them for years. That's what so I was maybe thinking. It's, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that was my take, yeah. Yeah, Harry is clearly not ha- enamored of Tim from Jump. And, I mean, I would imagine Harry has all sorts of things coming in his door day in and day out. I was going to say, I bet Tim could get pretty sloppy, too, after a day at the ice cream truck. <laughs> go in that bar and really tie one on, you know. <laughs> Moaning about him pennies again. Let me yeah. pay him pennies. <laughs> <laughs> all day long these kids asking about flavors i don't make up the flavors cow why are they asking me if i only I, had a talking dog <laughs> but then i'd show them yeah they'd all know <laughs> then <laughs> <laughs> then they'd see then they'd see uh tim tells the crowd he's got five bucks it says the dog can talk as well as anyone in the room and Harry, who is a mountain of a man, let me say, <laughs> this Harry, Harry the mountain bartender, uh, says, <laughs> make it 20. Make it 20 bucks. We'll see. So Tim says the dog is going to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb, and you've got three guesses as to what happens. Um, How does he know that Elwood knew that song? Even if he could sing. Good point. Did, so, did Harry ever crack his knuckles? I'm, I mean, he would in spirit. It was, least. it was inferred. It was yeah. Blood, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Would you say Harry's so. the Pete, the cat of this movie? No, I don't think the mountain is, is right on. Oh, okay. <laughs> why, are you, why are you thinking Pete, the cat? I don't know. He's just, you know, big. And like, you know. <laughs> oh, like Pete. Yeah, I see. I thought yeah. you meant like Pete the Cat from Children's Love. No, yeah, that's no, what like, I was thinking. I was like, going <laughs> like no? no, you mean the King? Yeah, like Peg Leg. Hello, Pete. Is, is yeah. this a Disney podcast? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I read a lot, a lot of Pete the Cat books around my house. We're very versatile. <laughs> We're very widely read. <laughs> we get some prolonged, what feels like prolonged bits of business, and yes. Tim Conway, Tim Conwaying. Uh, I like. The tell Harry Gaga, which I know they've repeated Gaga's for some reason amused me, but <laughs> this whole business was just painful. Uh, Tim gets increasingly desperate and tries to do a ventriloquist act with the dog, uh, like kind of. Uh, he finally just gives up and leaves. He's like, "All right, I'm just I'm done." 
Back at the Daniels house, Wilby is worked up. Uh, he knows he can turn into a dog at any moment. Betty says, well, you can't go the rest of your life wondering when you're going to turn into a dog. So they set out for a search uh, for the hot ring. Got to find, where do you, where do you go to find a hot ring? Fortunately, the Admiral is at the door. The Admiral, who is everywhere, always, says that Wilby is due for a speaking engagement at the Daisies, and he's there to make sure that he gets there. Oh, so boy. Oh, boy. We find ourselves at the Daisies Garden Club. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's like that Shelby written all over it right here, man. It yeah, does. It really it does. does. I've, I've been to so many clubs like that as a child. It's so real. It's so real. It's super real. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like a like 30 or 40 Ant B types and then the Admiral, because the Admiral's <laughs> there. He's a flower fancier wearing his big like daisy on his lapel. Uh, Betty, apparently also a part, uh, she is introducing Wilby. And we've got Dick Van Patten lurking around spying on Wilby. Very covert. Very, very covert, hiding very behind covert. the flowers. So cut to the dolly dixon ice cream factory i'm not ready for this I'm ice not cream ready for and this. pies <laughs> where katrinka is loading up tim's van katrinka uh, yeah, is a sturdy lady and she, she is, is chunking that ice cream into the van tim's not tim's not up to that she's a handsome tim's, woman is that she, she is she is <laughs> I, I always like to mention the car suspensions the ice cream truck suspension was Really cracking me up, just floating around there with yeah. every ice cream th- throw would just make that thing just sway. Uh, yeah. Says they're out of kumquat and guava sherbet. Enough with this joke. Come on. Which, I mean, both of those are things that ice cream could be flavored, but yes. it's clearly just because it sounds funny to say kumquat that they're doing that. Anyway, despite the fact that he thinks she's his girl, it's, it's clear she's not. She doesn't even know his name. Uh, calls him the wrong thing. Calls him Jim or something. Um, she says, just because she waved at him one night at the roller derby doesn't mean anything, which is the story of my life, let me tell you. Uh, you meet so a lot of women mean, at roller derbies? I was going to say, yeah, I'll mean <laughs> more about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the joke. But, uh, yeah, the... Um, this like backfills Tim as like a kind of creepy dude. Now that we find out she doesn't even know his name, but he's got like her photo, like riding in the cab of his truck. Mm, yeah. Like a full size PR photo in a frame. And anyway, despite the rejection, he gives her the Borgia ring. And uh, of course she starts immediately reading the text inside. And you know what happens next? Back at the daisies, Wilby is starting to transform. Uh, Betty panics, pushes him under the table, and diverts everybody by having the song chairman lead them in a chorus of the daisy hymn. Mm. Under the table, Wilby goes full Elwood, which of course startles all the women as he crawls between their legs under the table, and a panic breaks out. Daisy Him, also written by Shane Tatum and Richard McKinley, for those of you scoring it. Ah, uh, there you go. From Matacumbe to the Daisies. That's right. <laughs> they could do it all. Uh, Dick Van Patten, of course, very suspicious by all these goings on. Wilby busts out of the building and jumps in the back of a cab, where he tells the inattentive driver, who's reading the racing form, of course, mm-hmm. he gives him his address to head home. 
And I mean, this gag's got whiskers on it, literally. Oh, cab uh, driver Freddie Fleet from uh, Andy Griffith Show. Freddie Fleet and the band with the beat. I knew he was a guy, but I couldn't. I couldn't place him. Yeah. On the way, they they pass the ice cream factory where Tim is out looking for Elwood, which is of course a running theme throughout the movie. So of course he's surprised to see Elwood pass by in a cab. In the cab, the driver's talking to Willby about who's going to win the election. He says he's for Daniels, too. He doesn't think he stands a chance against Slade's machine. <sighs> Aside from not noticing he's got a dog in his backseat, the cab driver also doesn't know Tim chasing after the car. <sighs> they uh, stop at a light, and Tim catches up and pulls Elwood out of the backseat. And, uh, you know, ooh, that goes the distracted driver. Uh, the distracted cab driver then does what all distracted drivers do in these movies, which of course is to run into a cop car. <laughs> Say, got, got to yep, do it. Got, yep. Put it on the checklist. Of that gets things on the bingo card for sure. They, yeah, they yeah. missed the opportunity to have like the captain calling over the yes. squad over the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that <laughs> noise I hear? <laughs> water. I hear water. <laughs> I hear dogs. What's that uh, dog? Of course, he T-bones this guy instead of doing like the A-frame, like the typical A-frame uh, rent collision. So he just T-bones these guys. But womp womp. In the ice cream van, Wilby asks Tim to take him home, but Tim's got other plans. Says he's going to blow Harry's mind, and he has a plan. Uh, we're back to this gag. Not even ten minutes later, folks. It's terrible. Wilby Terrible. even agrees to go along with it this time. Wilby's like, all right, whatever. Uh, again, you can see where this is going. Tim leaves Wilby in his ice cream truck to warm up. Says he's got to warm up. What do you think you are? You know, not not being prepared. We've we've got another uh, Dean Martin here. I, okay, I kept wanting to say Dean yeah. Jones. He's like, got another Dean Martin here. It's like a slam on Dean Martin out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he leaves Wilby in the truck to warm up while he goes inside to set things up. So Wilby starts singing Down by the Old Mill Stream, which is what uh, Tim has decided he's going to sing. And we get a gag where a passing dog like looks confused as a take at Wilby singing. Wilby says, you know, what do you, you ever seen a dog sing before? And the, the other dog says, that's singing? What are the rules here, guys? Yeah. yeah. All right, Andy, how you feeling now? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad Michael said that. I mean, what are the rules at this point? All of a sudden, now we can understand what the dogs are doing. Is this a Doctor Doolittle kind of situation or what? But uh, yeah, I definitely. I, um, I'm struggling. Bad. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Andy. I, I think at this point, I'm. I'm. That's when I went. Did, what? Uh, no, don't. No, don't do this. It's just like go for the cheap joke every time. What's yeah. the cheap joke we can do here? Well, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, like a cartoon. It's just like whatever gags. It doesn't have to make sense. It just has right. to play. So we're back in Harry's bar again. Uh, Tim is betting $40 that Elwood can sing down by the old mill stream. Harry is not amused, says he's going to knock his teeth out. I'm like, Harry, come on. Harry, your day is bound to be pretty dull. This is at least interesting. <laughs> Uh, He's making money off of it, right? The other crowd. You're making money. What are you complaining about? <laughs> uh, out in the truck, the spell is starting to wear off, and Elwood reappears. Wilby turns back into a person, and Wilby just bails. He's like, yeah, tell Tim I'm sorry. Well, I guess you can. <laughs> he, just, he just leaves, 
Uh, of course, this is just as Harry agrees to Tim's bet, and uh, Tim brings Elwood into performance. The gag's oh, so nice, God. they did it twice, folks. Uh-uh. Uh, we get some prolonged awkwardness with this gag playing out exactly like it did the first time, and then Harry throws Tim and the dog out of the bar. I do have to say, the st- whoever the stunt person did this flip really sold it. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed that. I was like, wow, because they, they threw him like end over end. <laughs> yeah, end over end, and like not like like in a soft arc, so you can tell they're landing on a mattress. They were like moving like horizontally. Like they were thrown so hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, it's a punk move for Harry to throw Elwood too. It's not his fault. Yeah, that's true. You don't, th- you don't throw Elwood. Come on. Well, I can't figure out the El- I mean the, the the Elwood stunt d- double there. I'm assuming yeah. that that was just a a dummy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thing, so. stuffed animal, or a, a child in a suit. <laughs> child in a suit. sideways helicopter in a through there. Just the, the Brian actor and tossed him out the the door there. Yeah, oh, I that. kid put this suit on. <laughs> but it is He's, really it's quite, it's quite a flip. I I was I had to rewind it a couple of times. I was pretty impressed by that. Anyway, we find ourselves at a pawn shop where Wilby is in like a ridiculous like trench coat, hat, and sunglasses, looking for the ring. Apparently, has to disguise himself. Yeah. Why? Why he looks for the ring? Betty and Brian are waiting outside, and there's a weird gag where Brian's hair is. Like, when we cut to the scene, Brian's hair is standing, like, straight up. Like, it's been teased to stand straight up. And, like, the mom says something about, oh, it'd be something if you combed your hair or something like that. Kind of pats it down. I don't know what that was supposed to be. Yeah, that was confusing. I didn't get that. Like, it looks like he's, like, been, like, touching a Van de Graaff generator or something. And <laughs> she's like, oh, wow, if you comb your hair, that'd be something amazing. Bye. So weird subplot that lasts one line. Anyway, Medfield apparently has a lot of pawn shops too, because they go into another one yeah. right next door to the right pawn there. shop they were in. <laughs> it's a pawn district. Go to Med. Well, I guess when you have like criminals taking people's entire houses, you need a thriving pawn shop uh, district. Yeah, you got to move the product. That's true. They've got the pawn shop district, and then they've got the gold assay district, where you have all the yeah, gold right, people right. who uh, transmute gold into money for ducks. Anyway, Brian's excited to see the ice cream truck, and we get a gag where Tim is selling a kid a cone of tomato licorice. Yuck. That would That's be a bad rid- ice cream flavor. Ridiculous. Also, apparently <sighs> Tim prices based on demand. We find out it's a floating. Right. He's right. like, you don't sell a lot of those. I'll, I'll give it to you for like seven cents. Whatever. We get the pennies gag again. Kids and their pennies. Can can you believe it, guys? Kids and their pennies. I don't get it. I don't get it, guys. What's happening here? Some like Don Tate was a disgruntled ice cream salesman at some right. point in his life. And he's like, I'm really going to stick it to those brats. But it's like, uh, you know, the movie starts out pretty strong for what it is. Yep. And it's just like falling apart here. It's just like, yes. it's nosediving. It is completely falling apart. Yeah. What yeah. is going on? Yeah. Uh, Brian shows up, asks Tim to name all the flavors again. It's a theme. It's like, it's a joke again. Brian says, Tim tells Tim that he's looking for a ring with a beetle on it. 
Tim says, well, I gave one like that to my girlfriend the other day. And Brian says, what? And thankfully, we cut a bunch of exposition. We find ourselves at the ice cream factory where Wilby is explaining the situation to Katrinka. She's kind of a jerk. Once she finds out, because she didn't want it before, she's like, oh, it's a bug ring. But when he wants it, she doesn't want to give it back until he mentions a reward. She's like, well, how much? Brian. Brian did get in one good line where he says, well, I get a quarter for cleaning out the garage, if that gives you an idea. Hmm. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty good zinger there, Brian. Wilby offers 1000 bucks and then 2000 bucks. Katrinka says he's got a deal. Unfortunately, she goes to get the ring off her hand, but she's lost it. It's fallen off somewhere. She remembers putting it on the shelf as she finished a special order and assumes it must have just fallen into the mixing vat, as things do. Wilby says, whoever finds the ring gets the reward. And so everybody in the factory books it for the hotel Which, where yeah, the special yeah. order was delivered. Everybody being all the ladies that are just standing around there waiting for their yeah. cue. It's yes. amazing. There's like 20, 20 ladies just standing there staring, waiting <laughs> and for <to> action <laughs> and go. And I was getting like a major, uh, like a Laverne and Shirley slash yeah. uh, oh, totally. uh, I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy, yeah. Com- say, yeah. Combo kind of feel here. Totally, totally. And these extras are were very amusing to me. Um, it's, yeah, it's something else. Anyway, they, they all go fling. And even like people like in the back of the place who couldn't have possibly heard what was going on come like running out. $2,000. Everybody's running. 2000 bucks. So it's this hotel where all these pies have been delivered. Uh, they storm the kitchen and start just going through each pie by hand. And, uh, well, you can guess where this is going. A member of the hotel staff tries to intervene, tells the lady from the ice cream factory to let him have that pie, and he gets it in the face. Thus begins the first salvos of a pie fight, folks. Do they usually, like, when they're doing pie things like at a hotel do they usually like bring a bunch of tables to the back and like lay them all out on the tables <laughs> or do they like put them in racks you think you'd have a racks yeah you think they'd yeah, be in so. racks but that makes it harder <laughs> to make because i mean when you're writing a pie fight you have to set it up right you know that's true that's true i mean so racking would be problematic for a pie fight yeah yeah Turns out the event that all these pies are for is honest john slade's annual cherry pie festival oh boy where pies get auctioned off as a fundraiser which i just love honest john slade's annual cherry pie festival oh dick van patten tells slade that everything's going great but back in the kitchen it's a pie apocalypse folks (laughs) i need that john slade giant poster that's what i need i know need to get the graphic designers on that to recreate that i got a question the sounds of the pies hitting, is that real <laughs> or is that Foley? Because it, it foley. sounds like so hard. It has to be Foley. It does sound super hard. You know what it sounds yeah. like? It sounds like another Andy will try it episode. You want to start throwing pies at Andy now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh We'll have to get some get our nice microphones out, and we'll, we'll record some. Foley. Yeah, I guess that's the only way. <laughs> we're we're going to do it in your parents' kitchen again, Robert. 
Well, you know my mom. She's uh, she yeah. likes to throw a pie. Yes, yeah. she does. Yeah. I yes, bet she, she would does. make the pie and throw the pie. <sighs> um, <laughs> great way to introduce her to our listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, these pie. It did make me want pie. Uh, the hotel staff is running in, and they all they're all like like linebackers. I don't know what what's happening at this hotel. But uh, they and the pie ladies are just going at it back and forth with the pies. Will be gets the pie in the face. Even the gangster guys, the two, uh, Cookie and his buddy, are like randomly walking through an alleyway outside. That's That got me. I was like, just happened just to be going by and a pie fight was taking place. <laughs> hey, what's going the on up there in that pie, pie fight? Comes out the window. Yeah. So they look in the window. They get pies in their faces. Of course, one of them winds up getting the one with the ring. And decides, well, I guess I'll sell it again. I sold what are it the once, odds? I'll sell it again. Back in the ballroom, Dick Van Patten is apologizing to Slade for all the noise, but Slade says, I'll take care of it myself. Which, of course, is just a setup for him getting a pie in the face, which impales itself on his cigar. That got me. That that shit. Well, how did that how, how did they do that? That had to take some staging. I mean, yeah. The precision on which this pie impaled on his cigar was very and like impressive. the structural integrity of the cigar is in no way it questioned to, yeah it right. had to be a fake i mean a yeah. re- reinforced cigar <laughs> yeah yeah i guess uh one of those captain nemo seaweed cigars <laughs> back out on the street the gangster guy is trying to resell the ring and picks some like doughy guy in a cruiser but oops it's a cop it's a cop. He takes the ring. Convenient. Busted. You got a fence. You got a rear fence and merch. You got to do better than that, man. That guy was clear. That guy, that guy had cop written all over him. <laughs> we cut to the police station where Wilby arrives looking for the ring. He heard about it on the radio. Apparently, a slow news day in Medfield. <laughs> Dick Van Patten is trailing him, though. Surreptitiously. Wilby waits to talk to someone. The professor comes out with the ring, and uh, you know he's telling the cop about its history and everything. And uh, of course, it's, reads the inscription as everybody's got to read that inscription, which turns Wilby back into a doll. The fallout shelter sign in the uh, police uh, department there got me got my attention. <laughs> oh man, of an era. Yeah, like, nothing like it, man. Nothing like it. The, the, no. the lead paint in there, I guess, made it. Uh, yeah, ideal. Our elementary school had a fallout shelter. Felt, that's true. Right that's there. true. Felt like the Mayberry Police Department. The uh, the signs or the uh, the paint and everything. Mm, hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, after Wilby turns into a dog, the Daniels just kind of give up and decide to leave. They're like, "Oh well." Uh, they pass Dick Pat Van Patten as they go. He's coming inside, and inside the professor's still talking to this cop about the story of the ring and how it once turned a kid into a dog some years ago. Dick Van Patten overhears this all, and he goes back to Slade uh, with this story. And Slade is, as you might imagine, skeptical that uh, Wilby is turning into a dog occasionally. But when uh, Dick Van Patten produces the ring, which I guess he stole. Yeah, how did that happen? I didn't get that either. I thought I was hoping you guys would explain that to me better. There's no explanation. (laughs) Except for his stealth and uh, covert nature. So maybe we underestimated him. Maybe he did like the brush up against him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Dick Van Patten's got some sticky fingers, man. I guess right. so. But that is that was a weird well, that he's thing remained for them Dick to... Van Patten through this whole thing. Nice pull, Dick Van Patten. Nice pull. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird thing for them to just brush over. Yeah, I'm totally man. Explain. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Slade starts thinking about it. Dick Van Patten says, "Well, if you don't believe me, get Daniels over here and see for yourself." So, of course, Wilby comes to Slade's office. Slade tells him, drop out of the race. Wilby says no, tells him off, gives a little speech. Then Slade pulls out the ring and reads the inscription. Well, Wilby turns into a dog, as surprises no one. Slade's very amused. We get a big old Alonzo Hawk laugh here. That's exactly what I had here. So we went full Alonzo Hawk here. Like, uh, Keenan Wynn laughs in, like, capital letters, H-A yes. space, H-A space, yes. H-A. <laughs> it's like, ha, 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 ha. Uh, it's great stuff. He calls in Dick Van Patten and says, call the pound. Dick Van Patten says, already did. The truck's waiting outside. Wilby makes a break for it, giving us the iconic scene of him decking Dick Van Patten. Cold that dog. Him. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah. decking Dick Van Patten. That was hilarious. I, I let out a legitimate laugh out loud. That was great. So I, I got a shout out. I wish I, I should have gone back and looked it up. I can't remember who it was on Twitter. I remember that. Yeah. And they tweeted, you know, waiting patiently for this, the most epic scene in like Disney <laughs> movie history to, to make its way to Medfield. And then they showed that, 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 that animated GIF. I went, Oh, that's it. We got to do it now. I was like, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a thing of beauty. Yeah. Totally knocks him out. Then jumps out a window where a man in a dog suit swings down <laughs> a rope from like a window cleaner's winch. <laughs> Completely unrelated. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in another place, in another time, right. a man in a dog suit swings down a rope. Uh, well, the guys who are in the pound truck, one of whom is the voice of Piglet from Winnie the Pooh, and the other who is Skylar from the Dexter Ryler movies, uh, they're they're waiting in the pound truck. They see Will be running away, and at Slade's behest, they give chase. Then Dick Van Patten's stuntman goes down the rope, too, so he can chase along as well. There's a lot of repelling going on here. Uh, thus begins a series of gags with Wilby hiding in a trash can, then Wilby on a bench wearing some sleeping dude's hat and hiding behind his newspaper. That guy also very Hill Valley. Crazy yeah. drunk drivers. Yeah. Raff. Totally. Oh, nice. Yeah. Night falls and Slade sends out the police looking for what he says is a vicious escaped dog. He pulls out the entire police force on this dog hunt. They finally corner Wilby in an office park, which looks suspiciously like the one where Imagineering is located. Hmm. In fact, I'm pretty sure we spy a truck with the old Walt Disney Productions logo on the side. Nice. Pretty sure. Uh, Wilby continues to escape, causing a lot of carp cars to crash into each other. And Slade says for all units to converge on Rollerdrome. <laughs> a line that made me laugh very much. Yes, folks, it's the Medfield Rollerdrome, where the Medfield Steamrollers are playing the Jersey Juggernauts. Timely. Timely, so timely. Of course, Tim is there creeping on his lady, and uh, he sees Wilby. Starts giving chase to the dog. Wilby manages to bust into the rink, but Tim gets stopped by Pete Renaday, who's dressed up in like old man costume for some reason. 
Man, it's like, oh, yeah. you can't go in there. Weird, yeah, very prospector voice too. Yeah, yeah. Like, why Old Pete Riddell? You, you can't get in there without a ticket. Can't, you can't get there <laughs> from here. Why? Hey, what are you doing there, Warp? Warp? <laughs> I'm an old man from Vermont, and you can't go in there. Now I'm going to be a country bear. Ah, peaches. <laughs> anyway, Slade <laughs> makes it in, though. He's got his uh, government ID that gets him into all roller derby events. Hey, let's stop for a sec. Have, you, have any of you ever been to a roller derby? No. No. I, once. Ah, okay. Did you meet any women there, Michael? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know. The uh, fast women. <laughs> there was the uh, there was a league around here that we used to go to all the time, and it was it was something else. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I have friends who are in roller derbies. They they post pictures periodically. Yeah, it's like, like the a, names. It looks the like a scene. Yeah. yeah, I had no a friend of a friend. I went to one at the uh, the arena at the. Uh, North Carolina State Fairground. Oh, the Dorton Arena. The Dorton, yeah. Which, I mean, when you get a chance to go to the Dorton, you go to the Dorton, no matter what. <laughs> it's like the official, like, Epcot Stadium. It's like arena. the, uh, yeah, the Waltz Epcot. That Waltz is. Epcot, yeah, totally. Yeah, the local team here was uh, the Blue Ridge Roller Girls. And, I uh, bet those were fun. And they, yeah, people. it was. It, it was fantastic. And you know, each girl had a, a name that was like kind of it was a play on words. And my friend, I think my favorite one was it was not Princess Leia, but Princess Slaya. Uh, but that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was good times though. Oh, those Blue Ridge girls. Uh, yeah. So you know, we barge in. We got a roller derby match going on. Uh, Slate's with the dog catcher who has an enormous net. It's Great. like the biggest butterfly net ever made. Love it. Uh, it's car- very cartoony. Uh, weirdly, though, not the same dog catchers as before. But oh well. Must not have been available that day. Will be ducks into the ladies' dressing room while the roller match continues. Uh, Slade and his goons, they're looking everywhere for Will be. Finally, Slade's like, uh, check the dressing room. So they start to go into the dressing rooms as Wilby comes out of the dressing rooms. Uh, he's still in dog form, of course, but is now dressed up in a roller derby outfit. Why would this be the solution? <laughs> Don't know. Seems like you're getting yourself in further instead of getting yeah, yourself yeah. further Does out. Seem that way. Yeah. You're just you're just like getting just digging that hole deeper, Wilby. So yes, we've got a person in a dog suit in a roller derby suit. Yeah. Jumps into the track. A very lithe person in a dog suit and a roller derby suit. Um, We get some really amazing blue screen close-ups of the shaggy dog, actual dog, uh, face on of it skating around the track. But uh, mercifully, this sequence is very short-lived. Wilby gets sent flying off the roller derby track, skates right out of the building and into the ice cream truck. Now, this... There were things I would think of when I thought of this movie and things that stuck in my head. One was the repeated awkward stuff at Harry's bar with like Mm -hmm. trying to get the dog to talk and sing. The other was roller derby and the pie stuff too. I thought the roller derby thing would go on for like 50 minutes, but it is, as I said, mercifully short. Right. Right. They're like, get in, get out. Thank you. Thank you. Should have taken their cues from this movie when they wrote Gus then. Yeah. 
It's true. Exactly. Or just make a movie about a roller derby playing dog and go all in. Anyway, Tim's giving chase to Wilby. Um, Wilby drives off in the ice cream truck. Tim manages to jump in the back and he is still talking about how profitable it would be to have a oh, dog God, that can roller skate. Like, you didn't tell off, me man. you could skate. I mean, what? Hey, hey, we'll make a lot of money off of your skating. Cops and dog catcher are all giving chase. They've got a tail. Wilby has Tim start checking ice cream and stuff out the back of the truck. Got to have the chase for the bingo card. Got to have the chase. We get some nice car skidding out of it. Cop cars all wreck as Wilby escapes through the night. Eventually, the ice cream truck gets stuck kind of in a park. We got to say, also, the skidding made me think, you know, the shots of the car with whatever they have on the driver, uh, the dog outfit is just horrifying. (laughs) It's like weird Halloween material, and I don't even understand... What it's supposed to be is truly scary, scary so stuff. I was going to ask this a little bit later, but I mean, is there a history behind this outfit? Is there, I mean, is there anything else we can, we know <laughs> Not about that it? I know of, but why they went this direction instead of uh, something else? I don't know. Difficult to say. Yeah. So this would have been a good time for them to ride by Harry's bar and have him like closing up. Yeah, and see, and he doesn't take. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and he maybe see, has a Walt beer was, in his hand or something, and he pours the beer out and. Says if Walt was still around, that would yeah. that would definitely happen. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or he's pouring a beer and then it just he forgets to turn it off. Yeah, and just go pouring, tap yeah. just nah, spills and go. keeps pouring. Hey. Anyway, <laughs> they they're in the park. The ice cream truck gets stuck, and uh, the still jumpsuited dog takes off into the night. And that ends Act Two. Did we lose him? Lose him? We creamed him. Elwood. Ah, Elwood, you're not going to run away again, are you? Sorry, Tim. I've got a better chance on Paul. All right, Act 3. Slade keeps repeating the inscription on the ring over and over while waiting to hear from the dog catchers because he isn't taking any chances that Daniels turns human again. He finally gets a call on his car phone, which is a cool car phone. Very uh, boss hog kind of car phone, I thought. Yeah. Uh, He he gets a phone call from the dog catchers who say they've got the dog cornered out in Vista Grove. And uh, Slade and uh, Dick Van Patten's character, Raymond, or Raymond, something like that. I I, thought thought they were saying. They uh, they arrived to find the dog catchers along with a very large police presence. (laughs) To have a. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. They've like misuse of county funds here. (laughs) Yeah. Almost they've, felt like the Blues Brothers scene there. I mean, yeah, it really did. And they've treated the, the, the dog. And that poor dog looks miserable up in that tree. Uh, but uh, Slade walks up to the tree and tells Daniels that he'll give him one last chance to drop out of the race. But Daniels is in the race until the end. I think it's funny that they're like, hold on. Let me go talk to the dog before we do anything. Like, 
What well, are the other people supposed to think? Okay, right? I know. So. I said, what What are all the cops thinking? It's like, I'm going to go negotiate with the dog. <laughs> the lighting uh, on that was so, I mean, it, it felt un- maybe uncomfortable for some reason. Yes. Yeah, it was really extra, this lighting. I said, this like, weird, moody shot of the tree dog. Very weird. It's almost had a, a horror movie kind of look to it. Uh, yeah. But uh, it backlit the fool out of uh, uh, Slade there, too. I mean, yeah, it's, it, yeah. it reminded me of the scene in, uh, I guess it was Herbie Rides Again, where he gets has the dream about getting chased by like the <laughs> yes. werewolf Herbie or whatever. <laughs> yes. Same yes. vibe. Well, Slade, of course, doesn't like that Daniels, you know, doesn't accept his offer and he orders the dog catchers to shoot the dog out of the tree using the tranquilizer gun. Unfortunately for Slade, though, the two bozo dog catchers struggle to get the gun to work, but when they do, they end up shooting Slade right in the backside. Ha ha. <laughs> Keenan wins, collapses though. Though it, it, it's it's good the way he's like kind of grabs his backside and just and he puts his hands up next to his temples. He's like, yeah, oh, he sells it. <laughs> uh, but uh, of course, then you know you have Dick Van Patten over there just making faces and <laughs> all the reaction shots. Um, uh, but Daniels wakes up. In the pound, and he's wearing, or excuse me, he's hearing the voices of the other captured dogs. And we've also kind of said that we don't understand how, what the rules are around this, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, but I'll, how did they, how did they catch him though? Because they shot Slade with the dart. I mean, I guess they could have had another dart, but they like leave out that part. That's funny. I didn't even question that. I just was like, okay. Yeah, I didn't either. I just uh, thought, okay, the scene's over. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, he wakes up and it's like he's been drugged. And it's right. like, but they didn't shoot him. They shot Slade. So, I don't know. A lot of that scene must have been really bad. They couldn't use it. <laughs> yeah, I guess they had another dart. So, but, uh, but, and, so, but all the dogs they have this like typical 1940s gangster slang yeah, talk. Yeah. yeah, like each one is doing a different, which is, this is like as a kid, I, I picked up on like Bogart because there's one that's doing like Bogart really heavily. And so I got that joke because it's all like Casablanca jokes, like play it again, Sam. Yeah. But uh, each one, like there's one that's kind of doing james cagney and there's one that's kind of doing edward g robinson they all sound kind of alike mm-hmm. but like well, the one's, one's doing do a different uh, one what's his name from uh Twenty Thousand leagues yeah i was gonna Who's, say uh, uh oh, james mason no oh, peter laurie peter, peter laurie Lurie. Yeah, yeah. yeah the boxer is like he's the only thing you know like yeah yeah, yeah you're peter right Lurie. yeah um and then we, we've not really talked about this, but the we, we've talked about how the dog costume is, is awful, but the the effect to get the dogs to talk. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the Tuscan Raider just moving them back and forth kind of thing almost. But, and apparently one of these, uh, the dogs has found Jesus because he starts singing sweet, <laughs> low, sweet chariot. Yeah, which oddly really... Really serious beat that goes on for a long time. Yeah. It's like what? And I think mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's supposed to be funny, but it's actually kind of sad. It's it's, oh, it's very sad. serious well, to me. Yeah. It does not seem funny it, at all. It's it's like they're Disney's weird thing with animal euthanasia. I mean, it just yes, it's like back to Lady in the Tramp, Lady the Tramp stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then 
also that these dogs are all like well groomed purebreds. I guess yeah, like the poodle. Yeah. 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 They're uh, doing a big, this is a big lady in the tramp riff. They are totally just basically totally ripping that off completely. <laughs> well, back at the police station, Katrinka is bailing Tim out of jail and she doesn't believe Tim at all. Uh, as he kind of talks about how this is all the dog's fault. And then, uh, meanwhile, Mrs. Daniels is calling around to the animal shelters to see if they might have found a shaggy dog. And she kind of gives a description of the dog, but it's really kind of, she's describing Wilby. Uh, and, uh, and then the dog catcher says, sounds like you're looking for Cary Grant. Um, then uh, eventually she gets to a better description of the dog and Howie, the dog catcher, uh, says they've got a long haired dog in that day, but he's a real killer. And uh, Suzanne Pochette's like, nope, that can't be him. And she hangs up. Well, then checking in on honest John Slade, he's icing down his tuchus after the tranquilizer shot. And, this is necessary. <laughs> and Dick Van Patten's bringing him another ice pack and says that Daniels is definitely in the pound and he'll be a goner in 72 hours. But Slade can't risk it. And he says, I was put in a call to the governor. Um, and then at the pound, the dogs, I mean, like the governor, the governor, <laughs> right. right. That's what I wrote that in all caps. Oh, the, governor the governor, yeah. the governor would be like, what are you talking about? Better go <laughs> like ask we, that dog now. He's his appeal didn't come through. <laughs> yeah. I need you to rush the killing of a dog that's in the pound. Just, just because. At the pound, the dogs have dug a hole uh, through the floor, a la, you know, like the Great Escape or you know, Shawshank Redemption here. <laughs> and uh, Wilby is kind of being a square about it all since he can't escape because he's running for district attorney. You know, he's all honest and everything. But then Wilby. you're a dog. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it's like, chill out, dude. Uh, then Howie, the dog catcher, up at the front desk gets the call from the governor, and, and, who, and then he comes to escort Wilby. To what I thought was going to be like a, some sort of euthanization kind of chamber, but turns out they're actually going to fry the dog in an electric chair. It's like they it's send very dogs dark. to the chair. What? Very dark. Yeah, this is really starting to get <laughs> uncomfortable now. I'm getting scared, boss. Oh boy! But Wilby's not going to go out like that. He starts talking and. Tells the shocked dog catcher to sit and stay. And he lifts a key from his pocket. And, um, and then he goes and re to release all the other captured dogs, which, of course, he does. And then they head out through the tunnel that they've dug. Well, the other dog catcher, Sheldon, returns and finds his colleague frozen in a stay position. And when he asks what he's up to, Howie says the big dog told him to sit and stay. <laughs> okay. Sheldon helps helps him up, and they go to check on the kennels and find them all empty, which sends them scrambling. And then Daniels and the other escaped dogs are they hop in the animal control van and they speed off just as Slade calls the pound to ensure that they followed the governor's orders. Slade's got a hell of a robe on right now. Oh, mm -hmm. That's true, and it's, of course Slade's none too happy when he learns that the dogs have escaped and. Slade really gives Howie the business too, which I enjoyed. He's like, oh, oh, oh. yeah, that was somebody doing nothing impression. better than incoherent Keenan Wynn yelling. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's good. 
in the in the getaway van, Wilby explains to the other dogs that he needs to get that ring back. And then they stop and Wilby parts ways with them and the rest of them are kind of huddled up still talking and they they decide they need to help Curly out, as they call him. Uh, since he gave them a leg up. So at, uh, <laughs> at this point, we feel like we're in, we, we've not seen the last of these dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, Wilby's returning home, but decides to, for some reason to take a path through the Admiral's flower bed. And then the Admiral catches him and pulls out his shotgun, just like from the first movie. And he starts it's like overreaction there. Yeah. And, and just like in the first movie, he's firing the weapon haphazardly in city limits. Just <laughs> My garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then he calls the police to report the dog again. Wilby escapes with his life and his family. Let him back in their house. And Wilby tells them that Slade has the ring. And if he doesn't get it back, then he's going to rub him out. Um, another large police presence, including the SWAT team this time, arrive on the scene. <laughs> and an officer goes door to door checking to see if anyone has seen the wanted dog. Well, Wilby can't stay around for this. And he dresses up in a, a trench coat and fedora again and <laughs> hightails it out of there just as Mrs. Daniels stalls the officer at the door who's come to inform her about the mad dog that's loose in the area. She's kind of like, Susan has got like a Elaine Bennis vibe going on here at the door with a cop. Ab- uh-huh. Absolutely unhinged. She's <laughs> yeah. terrible at playing it cool. Yeah. Why, why does Wilby have clothes on when he comes back in human form? No, I was thinking that too. It's like he he takes the clothes with him to wherever he yeah. goes. <laughs> Thankfully, right. maybe we need to figure out the rules for this. Well, I mean, the the glasses stay on the dog, but the rest True. of the go to the other place. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Tim is also out and about looking for Elwood when suddenly Wilby pulls him into the bushes. Oh, and God! And then Wilby tells him that he's not Elwood, but actually Wilby Daniels. And he goes on to explain the whole situation and the backstory to him. But but Tim says, hey, Elwood, what are you doing in the park mugging people? Like, good, <laughs> <Yeah>. come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and Tim struggles to understand this whole thing, but he agrees to help him out. And the two of them take off on, on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is With a big flag. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, tip, the, the prototypical seventies bicycle with the flag. Um, kind of like the, 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 it reminded me of the bike that chunk rode in, um, uh, the Goonies, <laughs> you know, he Goonies. Has that big flag kind of bouncing around. So yeah. And Wilby's there. We got a stunt guy in a that dumb looking dog costume again. And they're driving Tim's on the uh, handlebars and yeah, the, stunt dogs driving the bike and Brian sees them and, and he decides to follow them on his skateboard. Uh, and then, but then later that evening, Slade has recovered from his earlier mishap and he's, but he's still repeating the ring inscription over and over when his doorbell rings and it's Tim at the door <laughs> this time with a cigarette hanging off his lip, doing his best impression of a tough guy. And this, this genuinely cracked me up. What about you guys? Yeah, oh, very. Yes. <laughs> he's yeah. got that Dan Aykroyd droopy cigarette thing, just yes. to a T. It's, it's the gravy train. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. no more gravy. 
There are lots of like random things I remember from this movie that I didn't remember were from this movie. And this line is one of them. Like that's one that I will think of from time to time, but I couldn't have told mm-hmm. you it was from this movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the, you're off the gravy train. Yeah. He, he tells Slay that Fast Eddie says that he's off the gravy train. No more gravy. And he leaves. And, you know, I think the day you guys tell me that I'm off the podcast, you're going to do something like this. Like you, <laughs> You're off the Todd, gravy Todd train. Todd will call you and tell you that. That's it. <laughs> You're off the gravy train. Off the gravy train. <laughs> he and Will be, or, uh, Tim, that is, he, uh, will be right off again on the bicycle, but this time they're headed to Roshock's warehouse to see if they can catch Slade and Fast Eddie red-handed. Down at the warehouse, Will be and Tim climb a large hopper to the roof to find a, a way to sneak in. And it's a pretty dangerous way to get in, don't you guys think? I mean, because they're so this is, when, it, the when this was happening, yeah, very dangerous. When this was happening, I was like, "Have I seen this movie more times than I've seen the Shaggy Dog?" It's possible. <laughs> it's, it's possible, possible. yeah, because it just all depended on what we had on tape. At home. Yeah, yeah. But man, a lot of times have I watched this movie. It's just all this stuff. The director went with this weird high angle here too, with Tim. Yeah, that up. was weird. Like zoomed it, in on Tim. Zo- like, like, yeah, I thought they used the zoom lens, and it was all shaky. Like I couldn't keep it steady. Yeah, like grainy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tim Conway's doing his best, you know, physical comedy. You know, being scared of heights and all that kind of stuff. Then uh, Brian shows up, old dead eyes, and he uh, <laughs> he he uh, jumps the fence <laughs> as if he's done that many times. Hey guys, what you doing up there? <laughs> hey. We're breaking in. I'll break in. And he crosses over the hopper as well onto the roof of the warehouse. And they all three enter through an open window and they start climbing down the f- to the floor of the warehouse on these large stacks of boxes of stolen items and furniture. I want to go back and ask a question here. because So the kid reads the line here when Wilby scolds him for showing up. He's like, well, you should have sent me to obedience school when I was two. And... I mean, is it the dialogue or is it the kid and his horrible delivery? It's the kid. It's both. It's the kid. Because, yeah. I don't know. I think that could have been a fun, like a passable zing, but the kid is just blah. Any more on that, Robert? (laughs) That's a bad play. (laughs) We did another line earlier about Rin 1010 that was the same kind of thing. That, that he just sort of was like, ah, Rain 10 10 would have done that too. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> so, animal actors and kid actors, you're just not oh, a fan. I mean, I love Moochie, man. Don't Except get me. I mean, no, that's right. Uh, but like I, I don't, but this kid right here is this kid <laughs> and old the wolf, man. Yeah. Uh, Jed. Jeb. Jed. Jed the wolf. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Don't get me the going. kid isn't doing much. I gotta agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I would just. <laughs> well, fast Eddie <laughs> arrives and heads up to the office. Yeah, heads up to the office of the warehouse, and Willby finds a, a nearby tape recorder just sitting there, and uh, <sighs> carries it up to Eddie's office to see if he can catch Eddie and Slate on tape. What's that? But Tim, hey, I wonder how these things work. Turns it on. Yeah. It's just like Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. my, like John Philip Sousa tape queued up and ready to go. Right. And yet, also, like, will be. I don't know if this will be admissible in court. This evidence right. you're collecting. I was like, what legal? Yeah. Uh, what about the tape you, recorder, Jeff? What'd you think of that tape recorder? That would take you back. Oh man, very nice. Yeah, it took me back, but. 
yeah, I always the tan finish. I was jealous. Yeah, of you that. had the black one, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, I had right. a black one. We schlepped that thing across Disney World for four days. Man, schlepped that thing everywhere. <laughs> that thing was crucial, critical. We recorded our first podcast, I think, with, uh, with that's that, right. Uh, that's right. In nineteen ninety three. I mean, Michael and I were recording in uh, the eighties, way eighty four. Fake newscasts. That's right. Like the cool kids. Yeah. Well, before Wilby can get to the office, a security guard has come and to take his dinner break at a nearby table. And Daniels can't really get by without being spotted. But then he tells Tim to go distract the guard. And there's, I think this is where Tim Conway really shines in this movie. Because <laughs> when he comes up and does this impression of like a maintenance guy. I almost think that's like ad lib too. I, I think yeah, so. That I bet it, it was. That's something out of the Carol Burnett show almost. It, I think it had to be like a bit of his. Yeah. Like a pre existing bit. That because it was do. funny. The timing was there. There were, I mean, because none of the writing up to this point had been like that quick and, and sharp. And then all of a sudden, like that whole sequence just had like, what does he say? I saw a saddle and a. It, it, yeah, dissolve, dissolve the saddle. Dissolve the saddle on a, on a horse or something like that. <laughs> just right between the rider and the horse. Yeah, it's it's something you could see um, that would have made Harvey Corman just crack up. Yeah, you know, yeah, listening to him talk like that. Yeah, so yeah, he's come up to him and he's distracted the security guard. And Brian and Wilby push a box onto the security guard's head, which knocks him out cold. He sl- does the cartoon thing of like smiling of the like the recoil then the smile then the pass out uh, yeah. straight out of the cartoons. Yeah. Slade and Randall are on their way to the warehouse and Slade is still repeating the ring inscription and um Dick Van Patten warns him not to say it too much uh you know heeding the warning that the professor said earlier about being afraid to say it too much otherwise he'd turn into a dog himself but of course you know Slade/Hawk calls that rubbish. And keeps on saying it. Rubbish. In, in the warehouse office, Wilby places the tape recorder just in time as Slade arrives. And Eddie sees Slade on the security camera <laughs> looking right at him, which I thought was funny. So great. That was a great <laughs> shot. <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, and he lets in. Uh, he lets him in. But now we'll be stuck in the office. And it's like, oh, what's going to happen? Well, Slade tells Eddie that he doesn't appreciate one of Eddie's. Eddie's goons showing up and he wants to hear it directly from him. And, um, Eddie says, you know, Hey, relax. We're still good. Don't worry. Business as usual. And all this is, of course, is getting captured on the recording tape that, um, or the tape recorder, uh, that will be put in the office. But then Eddie leaves to go get some booze to celebrate <laughs> for having a profitable relationship. And, uh, and will be is seen by Eddie leaving the office, uh, with the tape, he's like, "Hey, what's this dog doing in here?" And of course, Slade goes crazy. He's like, "Ah, it's it's him! Get that dog!" And then he's like, "Shoot him!" <laughs> yeah, it's a real uh, escalation here. Yeah, yeah, he starts blazing away without any like any inducement at all. He's ready to go. Yeah, it looks like uh, what's he? It's like a 357 Magnum or something. He pulls out and he just starts blasting at him. Um. And then Wilby gives the tape to Brian and Tim, who hop in like a stolen Jeep parked nearby. So it's not just. Oh, that's a, not a Jeep, Andy. That's a, like a dune buggy. Toyota FJ40. Oh, sorry. 
I, yeah, I just quickly, I was ready for this thing to be over. Um, uh, Slade and uh, Eddie are, are hunting for Daniels, and they call out to him to give up because Slade has the ring. But just then, here comes Wilby's dog pound puppy buddies, <laughs> and they bust in through the window, and they go in, and they make Slade drop the ring, and one of them grabs it and brings it back over to Wilby. And as soon as he gets it, again, I don't understand the rules. Wilby immediately turns to human form. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. No. And he hops in it's the. Like an infinity stone. He can just do whatever. <laughs> and he hops into the. What did you say it was? A Toyota something? Toyota FJ40. Okay. Toyota FJ40. And Not a Jeep. Yeah. And Tim. I want to make Brian. the Jeep people mad. Sorry. Sorry, Jeep people. Um. I mean, Tim and they jumps in there with them with Tim and Brian, and they keep uh, Slade and Eddie keep shooting at him. But uh, <laughs> during this chaos, they're trying to escape, they somehow pull the car into like a a car painting machine. Is that what that <laughs> yeah. is? Yeah, because you gotta have yeah. one of those in the warehouse when you're it's doing stuff, right? And then it paints them like this orange color, this generally orange color. And then they drive through a pallet of feathers that also just happens to be in the warehouse. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they should through a, pointless. a sheet of glass, I mean, some guy yeah. walking by with it. Yeah. <laughs> Truly the pointless. Yeah, There's so already pointless. been a chase. There's already been one. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? It gives them all that furry, shaggy look. A movie of twos. Yeah. <laughs> this is the rule of twos. Yeah. The famous rule of twos. Thanks, Dante. Uh, Dick Van Patten is chasing after them in his car with Slade in the backseat, and they run through a red light, and this catches the attention of a nearby police cruiser who also starts, you know, joins in the pursuit. And the officer pulls the car over and asks Randall for his license, and Randall's like, uh, or because Slade tells him, he's like, you know, tell them uh, who it's who I am and I'm more on official business. And so that's what Dick Van Patten does. And then the officer kind of looks in the back seat, but it's not district attorney, honest John Slade, but instead it's a bulldog with a cigar in his mouth, holding a briefcase. Guys, he turned into a dog. What? (laughs) He said that curse too much guys. Yeah. Never saw that coming. Dick Van Patten knew Dick Van Patten was all up on it. He did. He yeah. tried to warn him. So did Professor Plumcut's apprentice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, Tim and Brian will be arrived back at the Daniels' home in the, the painted feathered. Uh, and will be their tape machines destroyed. Yeah, you'd think, but he hands it to the, the police officer who was still there from earlier to warn them about the mad dog. And and there's a messy but happy reunion with Suzanne Plachette as they realize that their troubles are over. And then sometime later, Tim and Katrinka are sitting on a park bench um, with Elwood discussing their engagement party because all of a sudden that's happening now. <laughs> and uh, and Daniels, the Daniels family drive by to say hello. And they find out that Wilby is now the district attorney. So we just kind of glossed over all that. And as they drive away, Wilby yells out to them that, they need to take good care of his buddies, and we see that Tim and Katrinka don't just have Elwood with them on a leash, but they have adopted all of the escaped dogs from the pound. And it's a well, big downtown Medfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I swear it looks like the Clock Tower Courthouse from Hill Valley. It really does. But uh, this brings the Shaggy DA 1976 to a close. Hi, hi. How you doing, partner? 
Oh, hi, Elwood. Uh, Mr. District Attorney. <laughs> We're shopping for our announcement party. Well, we'll be there. Yeah, and uh, take good care of my buddies. Anything they want. Bye. Okay. <laughs> well, guess you better make that 16 porterhouse steaks. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Thank goodness. Um, a little bit of trivia here. When they were driving around, there was that cool little mid-century coffee shop. Yes. And I looked that up. You're right, Michael. It was in Glendale. It was where the Grand Central Bowl it was like a bowling alley yes. used for the uh, the bowling alley exterior in Pulp Fiction. That's right. And later became an Imagineering office. And an Imagineering office. So there you yeah. go. Still there, so I got to go add that to my list when I'm in Glendale. I mean, it's right there on the fall. corner as yeah. you turn to go down to fourteen oh one. It's right there on the corner. Excited to see that. Otherwise, man, that movie, uh, whoo, that got really rough really quick. But you're right, Andy. I think it's there's pockets there. There were, I mean, yeah. I found the pie fight to be kind of humorous at times, um, and. Uh, Certainly, the uh, the punch scene really got me laughing. I found it interesting that like the stuff that stood out in my mind, like the pie fight and like the roller derby, didn't like the pie fight really didn't go on very long. It really didn't. You're right. Like it didn't yeah. wear out its welcome. But it was other stuff that wore out its welcome because they did it like twice. Yeah, like the the singing in the bar and stuff like that. It's like we don't need to keep going back to that. But some of the stuff. They they didn't overdo it like I remembered them overdoing it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't mm-hmm. do it overdo it like time wise. It didn't go on for time, but it was just over the top. It was yeah, too many, oh, that's true. too many of them. Yeah, but I mean, what do you expect from the writers of you know? I just keep thinking about flying oddball <laughs> about the Gus scene or, or the Ralph scene and Gus. And, and how, well, yes, and how long that went on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, there was some weird, like when uh, Elwood or Wilby was driving around Tim Conway. It really triggered my PTSD for that. Like when the mustard and ketchup were going on, when Tim Conway, it got a little like sensual almost. That's right. He was having that in the car. Like, oh, oh no! I forgot about like, that. That's what? Right. What is this gear of Tim Conway? I don't like it. Oh, I man. want it to go away. Maybe we need to re-record that one with Michael so he can yeah. he, he can take part in it. Yeah, that's right. The grocery fetish, Tim Conway. Okay, well, we need to rate this thing. We're bringing back the ratings, season four, and we're going to do it using our uh, special grading scale. What's our rubric for tonight, Robert? Well, since uh, old uh, Tim, the ice cream man, was. Such a yeah. prominent player in this movie, and he had so many, so many flavors. We're going to pick the one that sort of jumped out at us all, and I think that one would have been the tomato licorice. So it'll be cups of tomato licorice ice cream. Mm, don't mind if I do. You know, I bet some place in Brooklyn's probably selling tomato licorice ice cream for like oh, oh, 20 yeah. bucks a pot. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go. Let's sell our own. How many 
cups of tomato licorice ice cream are we selling for the plot and writing on the Shaggy DA, Michael? That's a good question. I've I've had problems watching this in that <laughs> in knowing what I was going to rate it because it wasn't it was I thought it was better than I remembered it being. Like I was worried it was going to be really like, super painful, but it was just kind of silly. Um, this is where I wish we had half scores. I'd give it like a two and a half, but I may. I mean, I don't, I don't find really any fault in the writing, I guess. I'll give it a three, a very, very low three. I'm going to follow that. I'm going to say a two. Uh, I, I love the setup. The setup is good. The pitch is good. Uh, you know, continuing this movie with Wilby has grown up. But uh, the silliness uh, just got to me too much in this one. For some reason... It just becomes all silly. And when they start repeating gags, that became just like, ugh, hard to watch. Hard to watch for me. Uh, So two for me. And Andy, what about you? Yeah. You know, I I said earlier that the the concept of, you know, you've got this DA that's gone bad here. uh, All that, that was intriguing. Uh, So that keeps it from going to a one. But you're right. Just the, the rest of it just is not strong at all and so i'm going to give it a two as well and we'll end up with robert how many cups of tomato licorice do you think this thing's gonna make it's a strong two uh i say that because strong two i uh i don't almost a three maybe but i can't go to a three because there were many times where as you all i just the silliness just got to be too much and but there were still some of tim uh tim conway's stuff maybe laugh so it was a two all right, we're going to casting and acting. Um, Andy, what do you say? You know, uh, you what you just said, Robert, about you know what Tim was doing. I think it was more of his performance than the writing yeah. itself. Um, I I can't give it a five, but and I think Brian. I'm I'm going to just ignore Brian, and I'm no. going to give it a four. I think I thought all the oh. the main actors all did a really good job and uh, enjoyed each one minus Brian. I agree with you, and I think uh, I too would credit Tim Conway more than this writing for him <laughs> because even Keenan Wynn, his right? writing was very good. Yeah, I mean, what a great cast! I would almost give it a five. Um, I would say strong four for this because it's just full of everybody who's in it. Say Brian, very good. Uh, Robert. Yeah. I mean, Brian's the only thing there. It's that's, that rubs me the wrong way. Um, I might go a little lower because of that. Um, I don't <laughs> know. I'll but, stay, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stay with the crowd and go with a four as well, but I, how did so the I dog acting, how did, where would you grade that? Yeah. Well, I mean, those sheepdogs seem to do a pretty good job in front of the camera. I mean, that, ooh, high praise! So I'll give that because the first who was the first sheepdog in the in, in the first one was his name, like Howard or something, the Harvey <laughs> yeah. or the, what? It, I mean, it, he blew my mind. That dog was just going for it, but um, so <laughs> oh man. You guys pile on me all the time on this, man. <laughs> we need to have a spin-off podcast. That just, you guys strong about the dog actors, man. Yeah, it's just about dog or animal actors. Yeah. 
Uh, Michael, what yeah. about you? Can I get a five from you? Um, uh, you get a four. Brian brings it down. And I mean, just from the sheer casting standpoint, I mean, like every role had a that, like a that guy or that woman in it. Mm-hmm. And I just love like the character actors of this period that get just loaded into every role. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's hard to beat like Dean Jones, Suzanne Plachette and uh, Keenan Wynn at your, at the title, at the top of your bill there. So yeah, I'll give it a four. All right. Well, I'm going to throw production value right back to Andy. Cause I know Andy's got some thoughts. Oh, uh, <laughs> what, do, what do you give it? <laughs> I know I can't go lower than a one, so I'm going to have to give it a one because it is god-awful. Uh, all the effects, I thought they were all terrible. Um, the mu- I mean, the music was fine. I thought they that was the only... That's the only thing that keeps it from being a zero is, is the music. So one for me. Okay, Michael. I don't know. I'll give it a two. Um... <laughs> I mean, it's hard when you have talking dogs and the technology they had at the time. They were very limited in what they could do, but uh, there was a lot of stuff that was that was kind of kind of rough. So I'll just give it a two. I will also give it a two, a very low two, but I'm just giving it the bump because of the usage of the backlot, which I always enjoy. Um, a sentimental two, <laughs> but I do want to give it a one. It was pretty, it was worse than I remembered. Uh, oy, oy, oy. yeah. Movie, like Michael said, probably better than I remembered. Uh, the, the production value worse. Uh, and Robert. Yeah, it's going to be a two and I'll, I'll focus more like on the, uh, the production itself. Some of the angles they picked, the lighting they chose, the lenses they were using, um, it all just, uh, they were just jarring at times and, uh, I'd see it and just go, Oh, what were they thinking there? Um, and that's, uh, but I, th- some of the bad production stuff made me laugh though, because it was so bad. So that kind of made me inter- entertained. It's kind of weird. That kind of, kind of coming around yeah. full circle again, because certainly the, the whole sequence with the punching the guy and then jumping out the window, clearly somebody <laughs> in a suit, but I just thought that was hysterical. I just thought that was really funny. And then some of the other stuff, like the, like when he's climbing into the roller derby and just like, <laughs> so, but yeah, two. All right, and we're going to end up with entertainment value. I'll start this one off, and this is very hard because, again, we're reaching into letting Andy see the code of what we like versus <laughs> what we're sentimental about versus what we uh, like watching because it's bad. This one is a real nexus for that. It's, uh, but I, I, I have to say, this one started out, I was like, man, this is going to be like a five. Because everything was like either, you know, clever or a good setup or just like stuff I remembered or funny to me in a way that's like bad. And then as like it got into the Tim Conway Elwood thing, it just I could just feel it dropping, dropping, dropping and getting like angry about like, ugh, this what did they do to this movie? Um, so I'll just put it at a three because I was very entertained and then I was also very like, ugh, this is the worst. 
at certain times. So right in the middle, I guess. And uh, Robert, what do you think? So <laughs> I'm going to go back to our pre-show discussion where we were talking about another movie we went into with high hopes and we're, <laughs> and as we watched it, our, our you know, our hearts sunk <laughs> and, and we realized that what we were watching wasn't nearly as great as we were hoping it would be. And that's kind of where I was at too. Uh, I, I was waiting for that scene, you know, with the punch and I didn't remember a whole lot about this movie going in. I, I mean, I knew the plot and, and the overall arc, but, um, I don't, I'm going to have to go with the, probably a two. I don't see myself going back to this one again for a while, if ever. Um, so I, th- I think a three would be something I would maybe tiptoe back to again eventually. So just, you know, put the credits on when you're like getting dressed or whatever. You know, <laughs> that's like, true. Go I back could, to that anytime. I, I could go, go to YouTube and probably find that and watch it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Andy, what do you say? This is a movie. I think it'd be. If you did a fan edit of this movie, you could have something really good, I think. That's a good point. I think there are so, there the right elements are there. Uh if you just cut out a lot of just the uh, stuff that's not needed, the rehashes, and of course it's going to make it a lot shorter and even just somebody that could do a little bit better job with like Adobe After Effects, you could have a I think a very entertaining 45 minutes. Uh but I could not get into this movie at all i it's not a one for me but uh it's definitely not a three so i'm gonna go with a two there were moments again tim conway when he did his some of his things were i really enjoyed that of course love keenan win and then um as you said the dog punch <laughs> just the ridiculousness <laughs> of that <laughs> really lives in <somebody. laughs> that was that was great so it's gonna be a two for me Okay, and Michael, what do you say? Ah, it's so hard because I mean, it. I did enjoy it more than I th- thought I was going to enjoy it based on my memories. Like, like I said, a, a lot of things that I thought would be like really slow and painful were actually quicker in the actual movie. I mean, all the criticisms that people have made are totally, totally, totally valid. But I'm going to give it the lowest three imaginable, the lowest three you can have without being a two. All right. Well, the numbers are in. Let's punch it into the, our computer that wore tennis shoes. Robert, where does the Shaggy DA sit in our rankings? So we have ranked 33 movies now, and I, I do promise we will have these rankings public eventually. We are working what on you it. promise, man. We are. will be an honest John. <laughs> so we are at 33, and this movie came in at number 27 out of 33 with a 2. Six three, Oof. bringing it sadly right behind three caballeros and just above Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. <laughs> Sounds about right. Now let Except me ask the caballeros where, where, being in there. That's that's yeah, nonsense. The caballeros is a crime. Um, but <laughs> uh, what about the Our, original Shaggy Dog? What did that get? The original Shaggy Dog. Let's see here. Yes, I believe it went. It's higher. higher. It's number seven. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, it was in the top ten. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, we have ranked it. We've said what we have to say about that one. What did Leonard Malton have to say about it, Michael? Well, Leonard Malton calls it a winning slapstick romp. 
a romp, I tell you. And right. not only Leonard Maltin, uh, uh, Gene Siskel liked it. And like the reviews, like from the Washington Post, everything were like really positive, which I don't understand at all. But <laughs> I guess it was, it was all that leaded gas in the air in the 70s that people <laughs> were just into it. Well, let's close the book on that one because we've talked about it long enough. But, uh, Robert, what's coming up next? Well, we made it past our first obstacle, but episode two is rife with treachery. I mean, I don't remember anything about it. I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it at all. Um, and we teased it last week, and it is escape to which mountain? Not which as in which mountain should we escape to, but which as in pointy hats and broomsticks. And we typically do something in the sci-fi realm uh, with our second episode. And this one certainly has some sci-fi elements in it. As I recall, maybe not as overt as Tron or the black hole, but it's, it's, it's there. So let's, I'm going to oh, have yeah, a quick sure. question to our Crawford, uh, team. Uh, how happy or sad will Andy be with the special effects in this movie? Hmm. I think they won't register to compared to what we have just witnessed. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. But they really registered us when we were little. I mean, that's the one thing I really remember from this film is the the Winnebago. Yeah, Sorry. same. Spoiler alert. Same. Well, let's ask our listeners. What do you think will be Andy's reaction to Escape to Witch Mountain, particularly the special effects? Uh, why don't you tell us on social media at Medfield Film or at our email address, info at medfieldfilm.com. Is your small suburban town overrun with crime? Do you suspect that the district attorney is on the take? Well, do what anyone would do and clean up your town. Run for district attorney, just like Willoughby Daniels. Guys, did you see his campaign signs, though? Did you see his car banners? Mm -mm -mm. Did you see those flyers he was handing out at Medfield Market? Sad, really will be needed the keen and graphic design eye of the one, the only Todd Naprick. Todd. You think he stood a chance against honest John Slade had he not exposed his involvement in small town rackets? Not likely. He would have been eaten up at the polls if he hadn't have beaten him in that way. Those campaign signs with a single green bar and an awkward picture of Willby on it, Todd would have made him look good, spruced that whole campaign up with some flash and pizzazz. Don't leave it to chance that you'll be able to expose your opponent's misdeeds and cruise on to victory. Get Todd in your corner. He'll brand your campaign for you, and people will remember your name on election day. You'll find Todd at bindinggraphics.com. And where else can you find him, Jeff? Well, upwards. Upwards. And Jeff just fell off a cliff, I think. <laughs> That's right. He's up there on Upworks. And he's up there on Upworks. <laughs> you know, Todd's going to make you look good. And Todd should run for DA. Todd for DA. Todd, remember, Naprick for DA. Well, uh, until Todd runs for DA, we'll be here reviewing movies until we're blue in the face, you know, <laughs> to, to use a term from another podcast. 
from all of us here at the Medfield College Film Society to all of you, we look forward to seeing you next month to escape to which mountain. Until then, be safe. We'll see you soon. Mighty man.